Good morning. Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. Got a great show for you today. I recorded this last night with Chris Moose of Moosecraft. He recently um, built a fucking 20-year-old police bike and rode to the Twin Towers Memorial for the 20th anniversary. And it's rad. He also went up to Maine and then crossed the United States and back to Texas. And to raise awareness for TT Vets, he uh, is doing a giveaway and hooked up with a bunch of rad brands along the way. We'll be giving away sweet prizes. He's got a bunch of sweet prizes, and he tells you how to win them all at the beginning of the podcast. Pretty simple. Just go to his Instagram, which is moos.craft, or go to the ttvetsmerch.org website. Uh, TT Vets raises... Uh, you know, funds to help get veterans back in the swing of things here on this great rock that they were all fighting for. So I'm always good for standing, for raising money for those dudes. So anyways, let's get into it. Extermination Day with Thou Shall Not Hassle. Thank you, Zach from Heavy. Check out Heavy Clothing at heavy.bigcartel.com. Dude, we got some sick shit coming up. Like I was talking about earlier, the Southern Throwdown is at the Yellow Rose Canyon, October 2nd and 3rd. They will be racing flat track on Saturday, I believe. We will be doing fucking chopper dirt drags as well. Saturday, Sunday, fuck, I don't know. Uh, chopper shows on Sunday. Yes, we'll probably be doing chopper drags on Saturday. There's going to be vans. There's going to be mini bikes. Camping's free. Dude, do not fuck up and miss out on this one. Yellow Rose Canyon, Southern Throwdown. October 8th and 9th is the Virginia City Chopper Rodeo presented by Chopper's Magazine. It's pretty rad. Chopper's Magazine is throwing a motherfucking motorcycle rodeo. Do not fuck around and miss that. October 16th is Rat Rodtober at Tubbs Brewery in McKinney, Texas. And November 11th is Fuel Cleveland. This show, like all shows, is presented to you by MC Shop Tees, your t-shirt of the month club. The only way to support every local motorcycle shop. It's like a magazine subscription, but you get a t-shirt each month. And I feature different shops from around the country that I meet up with, get help from on my travels. Dude, these are all bad motherfuckers. And each shirt comes with a postcard that tells you about the shops, 
where they're at, and what they specialize in so that you can get in contact with them in case you need a hand. It's a pretty rad thing. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The holidays are coming up. You can buy it as a gift. You can buy somebody a three, six, or 12-month package, or you can sign up month to month. Whatever you want to do. We got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes. It's pretty fucking rad, right? This month's featured shop is Freak Show Fab. I met Drew about five years ago down at Boogie East. Maybe it was four years ago. I think it was, yeah, four or five. Fuck, it was a long time ago. At Boogie East down at Daytona. And, uh, dude, super rad guy. He builds some rad things. You can buy stuff from him over the internet. He's got parts. He doesn't just build bikes for customers. He does all sorts of shit. Check him out. Freak Show Fabrication. You're not going to want to miss next month either. So get signed up before the first. That's the only way I can guarantee you get next month's shirt is if you sign the fuck up. That's it. That's it. And, uh, man, if you would like a chance at winning some other badass shit, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com because I have a slew of fucking wicked shit to give away before this year's over. And um, every month we give away a $100 gift card to lowbrowcustoms.com. That's right, a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. That is easy to spend because they have got a bunch of badass shit, dude. I just got a Bates Baja tire. I got a case of oil, and I got this little fucking tweaky. They call it a tweaky. It's like a little carb adjuster, a throttle adjuster. Was it throttle? It's an idle adjuster screw that sticks out where you can easily grab it with your finger. Pretty fucking sick. Uh, I don't have to, like, fucking stick my knife made by Nick down in there and try and fit the blade in between the, the choke pull. Pretty fucking rad. But these giveaways, speaking of Nick, were kind of like started by Nick, dude. Knives made by Nick. One of my good buddies makes the bad fucking knives. Check him out. These, uh, you know, this is just continuing on what he started. So go to Danger Dance Talk Shop. There's a Patreon support link. Click on that for as little as five bucks a month. You got a chance at winning some big fucking prizes, dude. I'm giving away a tank painted by Chemical Candy Randy. Now, the motherfucker hadn't painted shit yet, but I also just dropped it off to him, so we'll give him a break. Uh, that's going to be sick. And I've also got a shovel head motor that is fucking wicked, dude. A fucking shovel head motor. I'll bring it to the Southern Throwdown, put it on display somehow so you can see it. It's fucking nice. My boys at B&B Racing built it. Pretty fucking wicked cool. And then I also got a sign that my buddy Al made, Tattoo Troubadour, wood, leather, and metal. It's a wicked fucking cool sign. I'll bring it out there, too. It's got like an iron cross, a skull. It says Danger Zone in this tooled leather piece. It's it's fucking wicked cool. I got to figure out some other shit for him to make, too, because we got to do some more of that. Al, thank you, sir. But uh, let's get into today's show with Chris Moose. And if you would like to check out all the content that he has posted so far, go to hashtag T, wait, hashtag 2NTWRS Tour. Twin Towers Tour. Check him out. 
Moose yes. Draft. So I just give everybody the rundown before we get going. Well, it's kind of like when I start to, I'm like, okay, uh, state your first and last name, how it's spelled, where we're at. Oh, you let them know that you press record. Yeah. Oh, See, yeah. I like to I start. I start right away. I'm all into it. I did. I did a bunch on my phone too, where people would start talking, and I would. I just the first couple of interactions, I didn't grab my phone and go straight to voice memos. But man, my phone was on voice memo all the time. It's such a good app. Man, it was I've been everything. recording concerts. Yeah. Like bootleg, just stick the phone in the air. It does so good. It gets such good quality. It actually kills a lot of the high frequencies too, which is interesting oh, because I was with uh, Morgan. You know, Morgan works for... Mogren? Mogren, yeah. Yeah, Morgan. I forget his... Uh, what is the magazine he works for? It he was cruising for a while. It was Baggers. It was well, all yeah. stuff. It's um, he works for a big cycle, magazine. Cycle company. World magazine. That's what he is, right? Sorry. We did a, a recording over at Flying Embers Tap Room in Los Angeles, across the street from the bike shed where I was doing that bar install. And I just set the phone right in front of us on the on the table, and they've got loud ass music jamming in the background. And I'm like, this is probably not going to turn out worth a shit. And then we had an hour long conversation. I went back and listened to it. I was like, holy shit. It just sounds like we're hanging out in the bar and the music sounds half as loud as it really was. It's insane. I love it, dude. Love yeah, it. it really, did you put like a napkin underneath it so it's not on a hard surface? I actually put it on top of a, um, a couple of salsa bottles so it was floating off of the top of the surface and it was like suspended in air. That way it wasn't just bouncing sound right off the table. It, it, dude, the fucking phones are insane. I love it. All, I've been all, recording my uh, intros with them. All the photography I did on this trip was all my phone. And there's some really sick pictures. You can get up to a 30-second aperture at night with your phone if the light is dark enough. It's crazy. I've it's got, insane. I, caught, I did a picture in Austin last night, night before last, whatever, light before last. <clears throat> and it was where you could see a satellite in the shot zipping through the sky. And it's a blur streak in my photo with all the stars and shit. And it was this really interesting thing. So I went to go see Mark over at Texas Performance Motorcycles. Mm -hmm. That was going to be pretty much my last trip. And then Rafiq hit me up on my trip. And I was like, yeah, I'll come by and see you, dude, of Rafiq. course. Oh, Rafiq. You don't know Rafiq. Oh. He builds crazy awesome art bikes, dude. Uh, the nuttiest shit you've ever seen. And they work. Like the first bike he ever built that I saw, that I remembered, was he had a fire extinguisher on his back that was the gas tank and he's riding this bike that frame is made out of these giant chain links incredible stuff dude and Sorry, i just thought about yeah back up back up yep so i went down there and i wanted to take pictures off for i was doing about the sunrise sunset thing that was the trip because i'm always on my bike and i really never stop well, that's like the best you fucking know. time yeah. to get any of that shit. So beautiful, dude. All right, so the trip. Okay, so I was at your shop a lot before this trip. Yep. Like, you know, a couple months in advance, a couple weeks in advance. And you told me about it multiple times. But I kept seeing the bike that you kept referring to as the bike that you were going to ride. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the frame, engine, and transmission? It, yeah, it wasn't even all that in one spot. <laughs> no. And none of it really sank in. And also, I was pre-distracted. You know, like I had... You had your own agenda. I was like, you know... Yep. Yeah, I was yep. running on a timeline, too. Uh, 
But dude, it all fucking came together like exactly like what you said it was going to do. Minus I didn't get the lead time in. Like I expected to leave a week earlier or I, I wanted to have a week before 9-11 to journey through Tennessee and stop and see oh, some people, yeah, go yeah. to North Carolina. Right. And I wanted to go to um, Washington, D.C. Well, okay, with, you, you with went that, coast to coast. With, with that exception, <clears throat> I did go coast to coast twice. From the, from the center out to the oh, other yeah, coast yeah. and then back to the center. So it's technically twice. Oh, my gosh. And you did it on, what, a 20-year? 20 20-year-old 20 police road king. A friend, of mine's, a friend of my dad's had passed, and we ended up with an opportunity to go buy some motorcycles. And he was said, oh, he's got this old Indian. I was like, what do you mean old? And he goes, like, really old. It wasn't an Indian. It was a 60 panhead with a 70 shovel upper. And I wanted it. Yeah, fuck yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, I want that bike. And... Somebody in Austin did the motor work. She told me I had to check with her. But either way, it was that and the police road king. Well, they were both police bikes. And when we showed up, she's, the other bike was gone. And so, I, yeah. I got to see pictures of it. It was cool. And I recognized some things about it when I saw it. And then I just said, you know, I was going to do this trip for myself. I just wanted to go. I wanted to be there for 9-11, 20th anniversary. I'm an empty nester. I don't have my kid at home anymore. So I'm like, I'm going I'm to go do some shit. An empty nester. Hell yeah. That's like some like home mom shit to her like conversation, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I just thought it would be a great opportunity to get out of my own head. You know, I do a lot. I'm just going all the time, but it's work, 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 work. And I haven't had opportunity to go ride, ride. Like, I've done some riding, but I've not done thousands and thousands of miles at once. And then it turned into this thing, just like when I cut my hair. I didn't cut my hair and just be like, I'm cutting my hair. I was like, I'm cutting my hair, and you fuckers are going to raise money for charity. <laughs> and so a week later, I would made $3,900, and then we donated that money to charity. But this time, I've been doing a bunch of work for my friend Joe Stazione over at TT Vet. And, you know, what he's doing is building a community and providing resources and space and all this stuff that you do in order to provide veterans with a way to reintegrate back in their community, get outside their own head. You know, the goal is to take these guys to events, provide them resources when they get back home, all this stuff on the dime of the nonprofit. And I believe in him, man. He is just the most solid guy there is. So I, I thought that it would be a great opportunity for me to continue to create more attention for him. So I did this trip with the ultimate thought is that people would guess my mileage and you buy a shirt and a hat on the TT Vets merch page and then we called it like the moose combo or the moose craft combo or some shit so you buy a hat and a shirt and you guess my mileage well we're actually putting the mileage to and from and the total mileage shortest distance possible yeah, what comes up on google maps yeah and it's, I was going to let people have to do the work and, you know, nobody wants to do the work. Sort of like, screw this. I'm not going to win. I don't care. So now we're actually just putting the totals up there and it's not my mileage. That's what the mileage would be if nobody did anything. Yeah, yeah. And I did a lot of shit. So you go to the TT Vets uh, merch page or you can go to my website, which there's a link on my actual, uh, on my Instagram, moose.craft. That's M-O-O-S dot C-R-A-F-T. There's no E in it. And there's a link for their, their page and all that shit right on the top of my website. You buy it, you guess my mileage in the comments, 
you can win over $15,000 worth of stuff total is being given away, but only one person gets one thing. So say I've entered, I guess the mileage, I'm 15 off, but I'm the closest one. Is that, is that the first prize they get to pick or nope. how are you doing it? How so are you there's doing no, the no picking. What I'm going to do is at the V-Twin Visionary Tour in Tennessee on Saturday, I'll do an IG live. So we've got about 17, 18 prizes. And then what I'll do is I'll get the 17 or 18 people who guess the closest and I'm putting them in two separate bowls and I'm going to draw at random a person and a prize, a person and a prize. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it would be just, it's a better opportunity for whoever's winning instead of saying, okay, you are closest. What do you want? And then that's a draw it's, out. It's a terrible thing to have to put people through. So I think it'd be fun. Yeah. You know? So, uh, since we're not doing that on my show, can I enter? Uh, you can enter. Yeah, you can. But we've got on the prizes, I'll reiterate for some of the audience that has nothing, no information on what's going on. We are giving away a 12-month subscription to MC Shop Tees because of Dan here, and you can break that up in either two, six months, four, three months. You can have your kids' shirts, your shirts, your old lady shirts, whatever, whatever you, do. you want to do. you want. It's 12 months worth of freaking shirts. You can get, get it. 12 months of old shirts if you want. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Depends on what's available. Yeah. Uh, John Jessup at Dream Rides Tennessee is giving away a $250 gift card. Redeemable on his website. Ships anywhere. Nick at Forever Two Wheels Maine is doing a uh, uh, shirt, hat, sticker, air freshener combo. Ricky Bongo's USA Parts Co. is doing a $100 gift card. Thundermax EFI has a $300 gift card. Evil Iron Customs, big swag grab bag. You hear that rain? No. It's picking up now. And then uh, a little bit. A little bit. And then uh, here's a big one. Jimmy and Laura over at Horsepower Inc. are giving away a throttle body air cleaner combo for whatever bike you have. And if you guys know shovel anything, head. you got a shovel Well, head. if you ha if you have a fuel injected motorcycle oh. and you need a <laughs> throttle body and an air cleaner. Then okay. you can get that. I mean, you're taught this is a prize retail. That's between a thousand and two thousand dollars total. Yeah, that's a hat. I mean, you're spending fifty five dollars for a hat and a shirt. You got one for a Pan Am yet? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Trust me. Once there's performance to be made on those bikes, he'll be making it. Uh, we have uh, Megan from Moto Megadeth out of California. She made a knife and a sheath that's given away. I've got it in the bike actually. It's got a uh, embossed leather sheath and it says usa down it's pretty dope uh bare knuckle paul paul weidman he's got a set of his new modular foot pegs the little mini board modular foot peg system he has pretty rad jade affiliated is doing up to an 18 in the rear up to a 21 in the front wheel combo so i mean you're talking like a, a, a three, set of wheels yeah a set of wheels three or four thousand dollar set of wheels for 55 bucks just to go guess my mileage and buy a hat and a shirt and you get something. It's not like a raffle where you say, I'm going to hope I win this bike. Yeah. And then you, you just lose a hundred bucks. Um, Lead Sled, Pat from Lead Sled is doing a set of freaking invaders, dude. So I went and saw him while I was in town. He goes, well, what do you want me to give away? And I was like, you don't have to give me anything. You just, whatever you want. He goes, well, I'll do set of invaders. So I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sick. So like someone's going to get a set of invaders for like 55 bucks. Yeah. That's dope. Uh, Natalie Kleiner. Talked to Brett Conley over at, I talked to Brett Conley with Natalie over at Bell Helmet. So Brett gave us a Moto3 uh, reverb, black and white, Moto3 helmet. 
that'll go with her Moto 3 visor that she makes, that Imperial visor or whatever. Yeah. And then she's also doing a whole swag grab. So like whoever wins that, she'll find out who it is. She'll look in her inventory. She'll give them like a hat, whatever, she, or a shirt and whatever she, gloves, you know, she's got. Uh, Speakeasy Motors, Evan, uh, uh, I'll say his name wrong, Evan Faro, whatever. Evan at Speakeasy, uh, bottle of whiskey, shirt, combo. Boosted Brad's doing a chrome derby cover, chrome ignition cover, and a black seat bolt. Mark over at Lexan Moto is doing a G16 single pack. So a comm system for your helmet. It's like 250, 300 bucks or something like that. $55, man. Rad Flags, Kent and Lisa over at Rad Flags. They've got a whole roadside distress thing where you like hang these flags and they've got all their apparel. So they're gonna give away a whole bunch of everything they've got. And then uh, my friend Ben over at Southern Adrenaline, he makes molded earplugs for the race industry for guys that have comm systems and stuff for the, like the GP racing industry. So it's a full custom set of molded earplugs for whatever headset, visor, or whatever head You can probably just plug them into any comm that you got. Right. And so you can take these and plug it right into your comm system because it uses the same little jack and they're molded so they're sound canceling and everything. Damn, you can listen to like, that's what I need. I do too. I'm fucking deaf. I'm deaf. Dude. You can hear like people whispering in podcasts with those on. They're yeah. awesome. So I mean that's a huge a lot that's a large amount of stuff that's being given away. All of these people are either companies that I've done business with or people that I know personally. And you know, I told them what I was doing, I told them why I was doing it, and they all Said, yeah, all I mean, right, let's I'd talk about what you did. I rode a motorcycle. The mileage. You want to know exactly how many no, miles I did? No, I don't <laughs> want to know. Because I won't exactly. tell you. <laughs> I mean, you started here, and you did the first leg. Like, you went from here to New York. Like two damn days. near nonstop, right? Yeah, it was like two, two and a half days or something. Maybe two days. I don't know. It's a blur. <laughs> I, I left at... Hold on, when did, when did you get the bike ready? I finished the bike on the morning of the 9th at 6.30 in the morning. And left that day? I left at 11 a.m. after I ate brunch with my daughter. Nice. And then I rode from there straight to see uh, Millhouse and Jake over at Thundermax in White House, Tennessee. Had lunch with them, toured the facility, checked their spot out, and uh, stopped by Ace Graphics. So one of the guys that I got connected with knows the guys over at uh, Thundermax. Millhouse always has really funny stickers made, whatever. We've all got stickers nowadays, a bunch of us. And I hit him up. I said, hey, I want to get some stickers made with the Twin Towers in it and, and the hashtag so I can put them all over to gas stations, hand them out to people and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Follow this hashtag. You'll find it. Well, it turns out that my hashtag is novel. It's never been used. Perfect. Which is perfect. So all my content is the only content you find on it. Uh, left their place. Hashtag. Uh, Twin Towers Tour, but it's 2-N-T-W-R-S. So Twin Towers. Because the license plate on the bike is... Spell that out for me. 2-N-T-W-R-S-T-O-U-R. Two two Twin Towers Tour. Twin Towers Tour. Yep. <clears throat> or go to moose.craft, M-O-O-S dot C-R-A-F-T on Instagram and you'll find it. So, uh, John Lefevre hit me up on the way out. Like he says, hey, if you're coming through, come stay at my place. Dude, Is John is gold, man. Him and his wife both. Um, I didn't want to stop. 
I was on a mission. I only had nine and a half hours to fuck off. I knew that. I looked at the map and I said... Fuck off means like maybe sleep too. Sleep, yeah. <laughs> sleep, gas, shit, eat, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I had nine and a half hours from when I left in the morning on the 9th to make it to the 9-11 memorial by 11 p.m. Because I knew that if I was there at least an hour, I could get some content, spend time with the memorial on the 11th. That was the whole purpose of the trip, was I wanted to get there on the 11th. And uh, I told him no, I was like, I can't stop. And then I was like, got back on the bike. Oh man, I'm sleepy. Yeah, man, uh, what's your address? I hit him up, Johnson City, really cool <laughs> town. They live in this house that's either built, I gotta look at the dates. Their house was built the same year as the firehouse that I did interviews in on the 12th and 13th. Oh, wow. Which is like 1908 or 1913 or something. Their house is amazing, dude. In Johnson City. Johnson City. And his wife and him were telling me, and so I get to their place, and she's like, well, do you want me to cook you some dinner? What do you want? I was like, cook me dinner? I was like, I don't need anything. I said, I need a shower, a bed, I'm good. I gotta leave by like this time. They got a giant couch, so comfortable. I didn't find out what it is so I can get the same one. <laughs> I'll sleep on concrete, I have plenty. I mean, at that point, almost yeah. anything. Oh, I mean, I broke into a gas station and slept at a gas station that was abandoned on part of this trip too. But, uh, I mean, I illegally entered a facility that was open and willing to allow me to enter it. <laughs> Either way, uh, she made me I just sandwich fries, something simple, but it was perfect. Like, I just needed food. Yeah. Slept way too much. And John goes to wake me up and goes, hey, Moose, you got to go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so they, 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 built this, <laughs> they built this barn at their property, really sick shop that he has. Uh, and it's on his property because it was cheaper to build a barn and a shop than it was to rent a wedding venue. Wow. That was smart. And it turns out Morgan, who we just talked about, Morgan, when I was talking to him in LA on part of this trip, he goes, oh yeah, I love John. I was at his wedding oh, nice. in that barn that they built. But uh, left his place. And at that point, I only had two and a half hours to fuck off because I slept seven hours. Oh, fuck. But I needed it because I'd been up, when I got to his place, I'd been up for three and a half days. Oh my God. And I'd only slept like an hour and 15 minutes in that three and a half day period. Like working at the shop, trying to get shit done, riding all the way to Tennessee. Yeah, you needed a nap. A big one. So I left uh, Johnson City. That was on the 10th. And I rode from there straight to the 9-11 Memorial. And I slept. How many miles were you getting per tank? Mm, on the good, good tank, about 187 miles a tank. Damn. Yeah. This is good. Were you going tank to tank? Were you yeah. stopping? Uh, I mean, yeah, I was going as far as I could go on a tank and I would look at it. I didn't even, I was in such a get it done mission mode that I didn't even start thinking how many miles am I getting per tank, set the trip so I can look at how many miles I'm getting so I can pay attention when I need to get gas. I didn't do that until way after New York. But <laughs> I didn't run out of gas. Oh, no, I did. I ran out of gas, like, a few times between here and New York. I remember getting tagged multiple times. Yeah, no, because that's, like, that's what I tell people. I'm channeling my injured Danger Dan because you're so good at running out of gas. I figured that's what it is. 
So I ran I get, out of once this last weekend. Hey, I uh, I only ran out of gas one time on the whole trip where I wasn't already rolling into a gas station. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it yeah. worked. And there was one time where I blazed through an intersection at 30 miles an hour and turned you in front of cars stop. that were coming, and yeah. they were, like, honking, and I just hit the siren a little bit because the bike's got a cop siren on it. Yeah, perfect. Yep, and they just were like, oh, I'm sorry. And then I just pulled right That's into the gas station. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's real good for splitting lanes in New York, too. Oh, fuck. Real good for splitting lanes anywhere, dude. Yes. So, made it to the 9 Yeah, the gas thing. Hold on, hold right, on, right, hold right, on. Right, the right, gas right. thing. People always ask me how I run out of gas so much. You know, and they, and they always assume it's because I got a small tank. But that's not it. It's no. like, I don't run out of gas normally like when I'm... I mean, okay, as I've gotten better at this, I don't run out of gas when I'm like on the road. I run out of gas when I'm fucking around and just don't think about getting gas because I'm, you know, soaking up everything that comes in, you know? It's like, it's, you know, it doesn't matter how much gas you got. You can run out when you're riding a motorcycle. Well, and that's the truth, is that I only- you can get 200 miles I only ran out of gas because I look at it and go, I don't need gas at this gas station. And then I just get in the zone where I'm just hauling ass, 85, 90, 100 miles an hour, splitting semis and all kinds of dumb shit. And then all of a sudden the bike goes, <coughs> I was like, oh shit, I got like another nine miles before I'm out. out so you got gas. a reserve? I think I have to because numerous times the bike will completely die. What do you mean you think? You didn't have like a little reach over and hit no. the reserve? It's the weirdest thing. Like the bike would cough and die. And then I'd give it, the first time I was like, oh shit, trying to start it right away. But I learned that it would come back on. Oh, it's a fuel injection. So yeah. it doesn't have like a pet cock, no. like a normal pet cock. And I, I don't know if it's got a double pickup in it or something. Like I don't think so because I've had those tanks apart. Yeah. But it's five and a quarter gallon tank. Like, the most gas I ever put in that tank was 5.26 gallons. I put 5.26 gallons in there. So you filled up the line and the carburetor as Everything. well? Everything. <laughs> I put 5.25, 5.2, and 5.6 gallons in that tank three different times. Oh, my God. And then I've been over five gallons. That's a, that's a stopping efficiently. Yes. I was maximizing my... Uh, timeline yeah I see that but I I have uh, I have a handful of stops <clears throat> where I was worried that I wasn't gonna make it to a gas station but was close enough that I could walk to one and then I broke down once in between Kansas City and Colorado Springs which was just kind of like on the way to the Grand Canyon I sat there for two and a half hours nobody stopped Cop drove by me. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I gave him a big thumbs down, and he just kept going. That, that's just insane to me. And I've had this happen where they're like, are you good? And you're like, no. no. And then they keep going. They're like, oh, shit. Oh, he's not good. Two, two more, worse than that. Okay, so the cop does that. That's one thing. This car flies by, and it's got a trailer with a street glide and a road glide in it, and they're waving me the thumb up, thumb down, and I go double thumb down, and they waved at me, and they kept going. 
<laughs> I hope those motherfuckers' bikes break down. Oh, dude. And then I had a dude with dirt bikes in the back of his Dodge with two gas cans oh, in the back fuck. do the same thing. And I said, thumbs down. And then he waved at me and kept going. I was like, dude, I hope you fucking destroy your bike. I've gotten track. so mad where like, I'm pushing my bike down the road and bikers go by and don't stop. Yep. And I'm like, I hope those, if those motherfuckers are at the gas station when I get there, I'm fucking they're mark. not leaving. No. They are not fucking leaving that gas station. No. Like, bad thoughts going through my yes. head like. You know, I feel the same going way. past just stabbing their tires with my knife made by Nick. <laughs> like, you know, like, I was just going to start there. Man. Oh, man, so I ended up getting picked up. It was interesting because this woman in a Jeep. You got picked up? Well, I didn't, I got, I, I'm going to call it picked up. I got it helped. There was this lady named Lori. She is a She's senior... Cute. She's senior. A, she is a senior MP. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, she's active duty in uh, Colorado Springs area. Area. We're at somewhere so over there. So she might work in the super secret laboratories <laughs> under the mountain. I don't know where she works. All I know is that she's a veteran. Like, she pulled over. She goes, do you need gas? I was like, yeah, I need gas. She goes, okay, okay. Is there anything else wrong? I said, no. I tried to hand her money. She goes, no, no, I, got, I need a gas can for my Jeep anyway. Oh, okay. So she leaves. I'm nine miles from the gas station. By the way, I called the tow truck company in town. And I said, man, and I waited 30 minutes before I called them. I figured someone's going to stop. Yeah. No. I called the record company. Did you have a red flag? No, rad I, flag? I didn't have any red flags. And if I did, people probably would have stopped or not run me over. I called them. They said... Yeah, it's a $55 service call, two gallons of gas, plus the mileage, it's uh, $200. Oh, my God. I said, cool, man. Uh, you can just go fuck yourself. I'm going to wait for gas. I'm going to push and I, my bike I hung miles. up, dude. And then she ends up stopping. So for two and a half hours, I sat there and I created more content. I ended up doing a video for Natalie. Like, why not? Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and got my audio gear out. Like had it on hooked in my pack so I'm not wearing a microphone and I had my tripod set up behind my bike. So at this point nobody's gonna pull over and help me because no, no. I got my fucking phone. In the wild. That's what it is. <laughs> Somebody's probably got a video of my ass on the side of the road doing a video with a tripod on a bike on the side of the fucking road. So she ends up pulling over, gives me gas, comes back, and then she says to me, Where uh where where are you going, did you say? And I said, I'm going to Colorado Springs to see a friend on the way through town. I'm just, just going straight through. She goes, well, I live in Colorado Springs. It's like, that's cool. I said, let me pay you for the gas. She goes, nope, you're buying drinks tonight. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't planning on having drinks and hanging out. Oh, but you can't not have drinks no, with I, that lady. At that point, I would buy her dinner, whatever the hell she needed. You know, she was super awesome, super helpful. And... I get, I mean, I blaze straight through. I'm still like six, eight hours from Colorado Springs. And when I get there, it's late. And she messages me literally when I'm pulling up to her place. She says, are you still headed this way? Are you okay? I said, uh, Need more gas? Because she was checking in on me just to make sure I was good. She was super sweet. And I said, I'm actually, uh, I'm right here at your place. 
But, you know, she said, I got to work early in the morning and I, I got to go to bed. And I was like, I understand. I'll just go ahead and go by my friend's place and then head out of town, grab some eat. She's like, cool. Just uh, come on in. She opens the garage. She, I see her Jeep. She walks out. And inside, she has a Sportster that's converted to a trike. And she loves it, dude. It is the coolest thing in the world to her. It's not bad. It's not my style. But I, I love that she is such an enthusiast as a biker. Like, she's not just some poser ass. She loves to ride the shit out of her bike. She's telling me Sturgis stories. Some of them pretty embarrassing, I could tell. It was just really funny how energetic she was. Yeah. She starts it up. I do video, and I'm recording, you know, this whole thing in her in her garage. She's got train horns on it. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, like, a road, gl- road uh, street glide fairing on it. So it's like a clip-on road king type fairing. Yeah, yeah. She loves it. It's her fucking pride and joy. She takes great care of it. She is sweetheart. She says... We sit there and talk about just the world, all kinds of shit for an hour. And then I end up going because I know she's got to go to bed. Well, she was like my guardian angel text messenger the whole time I was on the trip. She was like, well, if you're going to... And we talked about a bunch of other people that I know in the industry that she's like, yeah, I follow him and him and I've been to his event. And I've done this with them and I bought shit from them. And I was like, rad. She's like, I'd love to, I'm going to follow what you're doing. Just, you know, send me some pictures. I didn't know the next day when she said she had to get up early, she had knee surgery she had to go do. That's what she was going for. So she's bummed up with her knee from knee surgery, and I'm traveling and sending her <laughs> pictures on the road everywhere I go nice. on the whole trip. She's super cool, man. She just check in on me, make sure that I didn't pass out and like hit a semi or anything, you know. So it was. It was super I'm glad cool. you didn't do that. I mean, I got really close a bunch. Yeah, well, that's part of riding. Yeah, like I, I, I had my mirror adjusted by the middle deck of a car carrier semi truck oh when I went under it with my handlebars as another semi sped up and the car carrier slammed on its brakes at the same time. I was like, that's a perfect gap. I can get there before he closes it, dropped a gear, throttled out, hauled ass, and then all of a sudden, as soon as I go to freaking lean to split the gap, and I mean, straight across, I had enough room to pass. The freaking dude to my left drops like shifts and accelerates hard and then the guy in front of me with the car carrier all of a sudden started to break so i hear him shift and i see him break at the exact same time i'm leaning and i'm like this isn't good so i literally rolled my fingers off my throttle and was touching the back of my throttle after i had full throttle ripped it because i was afraid that he was going to hit and sure enough my mirror is pointing straight back at my freaking arm as soon as i go underneath it Yeah, I grabbed my throttle as hard as I could, and I just kept it leaning into it until I couldn't see those guys in my mirror anymore, and then found a exit, and then checked to make sure I didn't shit my fucking pants, which I didn't. But fuck, man. Yeah, that so was hold the on. Let's mo- go back to New York. The most sketchy part. So you in New York, you did some... Now, all this video that you're taking, all the content you're creating, you're going to edit all this down, or did all of it go up already? Because I didn't I, see a lot of this. Nope, I have a ton of content, and the whole purpose of this was to gather a bunch of content and tell a couple of stories, and then do some interviews and tell some individual stories. Um, I've been wanting to do a podcast or some kind of video thing for a long freaking time. Amateur hour over here. I actually have my phone on Audible with a fork. But... I'm intending on 
telling the story about the firehouse that I got to go spend time with and those guys and what they do and the 9-11 memorial, like that whole thing is a story that I'll tell. And then I have the individual interviews that'll be a separate story. And then I'm going to kind of cap the whole thing and tell the trip story. So it'll be an, a lit multiple layers of things. I probably won't do the overall story for everything. That'll take me a month to edit easy. Oh yeah. I don't really have time for that shit. Now that I hadn't worked for the last 18 days. <laughs> and anybody that knows me knows that I'd work nonstop. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. But the Tommy Donnelly from House Harley Davidson, his stepfather, passed away from cancer related to the ash fallout from responding to the 9-11 collapse. And he was stationed in Far Rockaway, Queens, where I was fortunate enough to go spend a whole evening with all the guys in the firehouse that are currently stationed there. They're, like I said, the firehouse is the same age as John Lefevre's house, ironically. There was... Uh, they're all cooking dinner, and I met a friend they of mine. They have the fire pole and everything in there? Oh, there's, like, multiple. Because it's, oh, like, mul it's so like two sick. or three stories. I wanted to ask if I could go down it, but I you didn't. You didn't? I didn't, man. I just felt like maybe it wasn't right I shouldn't or something. You I, would think something like that they would, like... They get asked that, I'm sure, uh, you, but it's a yeah. liability thing. I think if, if you could do it, they would be like, hey, you want to slide down the pole? Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. and another thing, too, is I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm just starting my trip. I'm just getting here. And you're talking about 20-plus feet. It's oh, what you thought you might have gotten hurt? Well, if I landed and fucking broke my ankle, guess what doesn't happen? The rest of the trip. And I had already said I was doing this, yeah, yeah. and I'm doing all these giveaways, and I'm trying to support Joe. So I said, okay, if I do this and hurt myself, the, I, I evaluated it. I mean, that it. is something an empty nester would think about. I evaluated it <laughs> and was conscious about it and said, I'll do that some other time. Oh, shit. I'll be back there again. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll ask when I'm not having to have to do something. Oh, man. But, man, they cooked dinner. I had, uh, I had met my friend Steve Kosky, stayed at his place that night on the uh, 13th. So the or, firehouse just brought you in for dinner? Like, well, how did on, you work on the, that? On the, uh, on the 12th. Well, Tommy, Tommy Donnelly. That was, okay. his, that was his, where his stepfather was stationed. So because of him, I was provided access. Tommy uh, works and has interest in um, the House Harley-Davidson Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, also a giveaway sponsor, $1,000 gift card. Him and his mother were there. She didn't know that he was coming. They also gave me one of their firehouse 20th anniversary and 9-11 shirts, which wow. is super rad. I got another one from another friend of mine while I was on this trip too from another firehouse in Boston. Um, but yeah, they were, I was there to talk and tour the facility and Tommy gave me all that stuff. And so the guys, I mean, they're super friendly, awesome people, man. And they were cooking spaghetti and meatballs and sausage and bread and this giant bowl of salad. And they said, you're eating with us, right? I was like, oh, I just ate. I said, I might have something to eat. And they said, you're eating with us, right? And I said, yep. <laughs> you don't like know who gets that opportunity, man. Sit down at the firehouse? Dude, in, that's fucking rad. In the mess hall with them, every one of them, as they're prepping all of this, getting it all ready. They got guys in the kitchen, setting all the tables up, doing all this stuff. And in the middle of this, they're getting called out. <clears throat> like, I think they got called out four times while we were just trying to get dinner ready. So I sat there, because this is the only firehouse also in uh, New York Fire Department that has one ladder and... Uh, two fire trucks. So it's got one engine and two trucks. 
Uh, what do the other ones have? Like one and one. That's it. They just have one truck and one engine. You know, because the difference between a fire engine and a fire truck is one has a ladder and one has water. Like oh. one, one's a water and hose truck and the other one is a, like all the axes and the ladders and the picks and all the tools and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it has a monitor. You can hook up water to it and yeah. it's got its own pump and you can sit there and fire at will. But primarily, it is a truck with equipment. The ladder is. So... So I they got called out, and you're just hanging out waiting with the guys that didn't yeah. get called out? Well, or? yeah. And, like, I did an interview with one of the gentlemen who I sat with at dinner. Um, we sat and talked for, like, 15, 20 minutes, just about a whole bunch of different stuff. Super intelligent guy. Any of them bikers? Uh, yeah, actually, there's a couple of them that did ride. And I was hoping to kind of get a little bit of a... I had an agenda. Like, I wanted to talk to a bunch of people about what motorcycling meant to them uh, in regards to, like, mental health. You know, like, where, where does that fit in for you? Well, at that location, there was only a couple guys that rode, and I only really got to speak to one of them, really, really speak to him. And um, we didn't really get to that part of the conversation because he was just super enthusiastic to talk about motorcycle shit, so I just let him navigate the conversation and let him have it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of automotive enthusiasts, you know, guys in that group. But it was super awesome, and uh, I left my audio recording equipment there on accident. So I leave there from Rock. Can't say I've never done that. Well, and I mean it's only like this big. Yeah, the whole but thing. it's but important. Still, it's, it's very important. It's yeah. like this is my whole trip. Yeah. So where I stayed at Steve's was an hour and fifteen minutes away, the other side of Manhattan. So in the morning, I woke up at like five o'clock, and I headed back to the firehouse. Damn. Through rush hour traffic in Perfect. New York. Yeah. And. I ended up going back and doing more interviews because there was opportunity there. Yeah. So I took it. And the day before, Steve and I had eaten dinner together before I ate dinner again with the firehouse. We walked in, no masks on, nobody in the whole place is wearing a mask. There's no closed tables, there's no COVID restriction, there's nothing going on, okay? Well, the next day when I met up with them and did more interviews, I said, they were like, hey, you want breakfast? You know, come on back here. And I'm like, ah, I'm good, thank you. And because I really wanted to go sit and process some footage, do a little short video, so I'm like, I'm going to go to IHOP down the street where I got nobody that knows me, where I can sit at a table. Do a little work. And do some work. Yeah. I walk in, and this is Monday. <clears throat> The 11th, 12th, 13th, I think. Well, New York had just started their passport mandate. Perfect. And I forgot for a minute. And you got to think about the timing of all that. Why did New York wait until the Monday after a significant anniversary of the 9-11 collapse? Well, maybe it has something to do with if they had passport mandates for people on the 11th, their tourism would have suffered. Their hotels would have suffered. Their restaurants would have suffered. Their bars would have suffered. So let's wait until the Monday after the weekend of this 20th anniversary of 9-11 to then enforce mandates on our own people. But we're going to let everybody come into our town and spend billions of dollars of revenue, and then we're just going to shut the rest of our communities down. So I walk in. And it, insane, it, this is a 
and it's a predominantly black neighborhood. And when I walked in, I was the only white person in this restaurant. I don't give two shits. It doesn't matter to me. People are people. And this woman that was at the front counter, she's in her mid-60s. And she says, one? I said, yes. She goes, okay, do you have your passport? And immediately I said, without thinking about the vaccine passport, I said, I don't have my passport. I said, but I have my driver's license. And she goes, can you read? I said, yeah, I can, I can read. And it hit me. And she goes, can you read? I said, do you have something that you need read? Because I can read just fine. Is there something you need assistance reading? And she goes, how about you start with the door? God and I looked damn. at it and I knew it was on it. And I said, no, I don't have my passport. I have my driver's license because I'm from Texas. I said, and I also don't follow a bunch of old white men's laws <laughs> that tell me what to do because I'm a sheep. And she says, sir, we don't serve your kind here. You're going to have to leave. I said, excuse me. And she says, we do not serve your kind here. You need to leave now. And I looked at her and I said, did you just Jim Crow me? Oh my God. The whole restaurant went completely freaking silent, dude. And it's breakfast time at IHOP and people are waiting. So the whole restaurant is full. And I said, ma'am, I said, not only would I not expect that to come out of your mouth, I said, but I would never say that to another human being, nor would I expect that another human should say that to another human being. I said, and someone of your beauty, character, knowledge, and age, I was condescending as fuck when I said all that. I said, should ever think that you should say that to somebody. I said, your, your historical relevance in your own community allows you to know why you shouldn't say that to somebody. In the middle of my conversation with her, like three other dudes start standing up from random tables big dudes and they're ready to walk towards me and kick my ass over this shit yeah and i said but i won't be eating here because i'm not gonna have to go get something that some old white man says so they can enslave me to tell me what i'm gonna do when i go eat dinner the guys start walking faster towards me i walk out the restaurant and i forget i remember i didn't put on deodorant i need sunblock on so as soon as i walk out the door i'm ripping my shirt off <laughs> These guys think it's on, right? And I'm on this cop bike, so I'm parked right up front. And when you walk out, you see the sheriff's badge on the side of the tank. But it's not like a legitimate sheriff's badge. It's like the Twin Towers inside a sheriff's badge, inside the Pentagon, whatever. And I hear one of the guys go, oh, it's a cop. Well, in my, my, my role in the top, my buddy Brandon, he... He told me, he's like, dude, I want you to take this gun with you. And it's like not a real gun. It's a pepper gas gun with a CO2 cartridge. What but it's got like rubber fuck? bullets and, and pepper gas in it and shit. And it's bright orange, dude. But it looks like a Glock. So I keep that up top where the sunblock is. Just seems like a good place. I unzip this shit with my shirt off. I grab the sunblock and that shit falls and hits the ground right next to the bike. And I'm spraying deodorant on and sunblock on. And the dudes look at me like... Another guy goes, I think he's a fucking cop. Because 
fucking orange pepper gas gun hit the ground or some shit. So there's something gun-related, something cop-related, motorcycle-esque. And I got my shirt off. They all said, fuck it, went back inside. I just put my shirt back on, put the gun away, put my sunblock up, got on the bike, and I went over to Lowe's, where there was like 400 fucking people shopping with no no uh, passport mandate in, in Lowe's. You can walk in Lowe's and you can bump elbows and you can all reach in the same cooler and you can all touch the same credit card machine. You can all buy the same shit from the same counters. But there's no mandate in Lowe's for you to stand there and shop or Walmart across the street or Sam's. They're all packed. But if you're gonna go to a restaurant, you're gonna fuck with small business. But the big box businesses can have all the people in it they want. It's sad as shit to me. Super fucking sad. So I was really glad I was leaving New York that day. Really good. Oh, so you got to experience the passport situation. Yeah, it was childish, man. It was super childish. And now they're doing... People just use it how it fits their need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing the uh, vaccination mandate for healthcare workers. That was a today thing. They literally said... You will be vaccinated if you work in the healthcare field. Now, talking or you to will these frontline people, did that come up at all? Did you? Yeah, we spoke about it a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of guys in the firehouse that said that they would or are vaccinated, and there's a handful that said they'll never get it. You know, and I, if somebody wants to get it, go get it. Yeah. If you don't want it, don't go get it. But you shouldn't be one or the other and look at somebody and treat them differently because of it. It's childish. There's a Dr. Seuss book, and I forget what the name is, and I probably should look it up because I keep referring to it over and over. Maybe it's like Zots with Dots. I can't remember, but it's the, the bird-looking thing with, like, the stars on their bellies. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, stars with spots or stars with circles or all this stuff, and, like, every time a group changed their stars, the people who hadn't changed their stars yet weren't cool anymore, and so everybody then changed to the new star with the circle and then the star with the circle with the bedazzle or whatever the fuck it is it was like a bunch of sheep it's just it's literally the same conversation dude it's what's happening right now and dr seuss wrote that shit what sucks is there's people that you know are in a spot where they need to keep their job yeah you know they can't afford you know they think they can't afford to make a life change or do something different or you know maybe they've just invested so much of their life to get to where they're at, now they're just like, if I just got to take this shot to keep feeding my kids and keep paying the bills and whatever. There's a lot of people. And they're not really seeing it as like such an infringement on, you know, what makes America great. Absolutely. And you know, I I have talked to numerous people. Yeah, I've talked to numerous people that said exactly what you just said. I, I, I got this shot because I have to travel for work. I got this shot because of this and this and this. And when I was, I, so the, the conversations that were like that, when you travel down the highways now across the United States, there's the highway warning flashing shit above the, you know, the travelways. Now it says it's your, your shot to get the shot. Like there's ads all across the United States on the highways that tell you that it's your turn to go get a vaccine save your community kind of my shit. My favorite thing was Biden telling people they need to get vaccinated for hurricane prep. Yeah, that was dumb as fuck. <laughs> I mean, the, the I the, get what he's trying to say. The, like, if we're going to gather these people in these facilities, it'll be easier for you if you can prove that you've been vaccinated. 
But the way it came across, it's like, oh, it was, my well, God. Well, it was like the top three things that he was concerned about when it came to yeah. what we need to be concerned about conversationally was being vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I, you know, I don't think people are ready, you know, like it's, it's, it's so much more, I mean, it's just easier to, to get it, you know, it's easier Unfortunately, for the majority of people to just submit and act like it's not that big of a deal. So one of the reasons also on this trip, I created a bunch of content was to tell a story about. Like, people are living in fear. They're afraid that they can't go anywhere or do anything, experience the world. They think that if you do, you're going to die, get sick, all these things. Man, I traveled from here to New York, to Milwaukee, to Colorado, to California, and back to Texas. I touch all the same gas pumps that everybody else does. I'm sanitary. I wash my hands. You know, I don't, like, go lick gas pumps and lick doorknobs and shit, but... I do. It's fun, but, I mean, on this trip, I was trying to not do that because as an empty nester, you know, I'm trying to be responsible. So, we had, um, I had plenty of opportunity to possibly get sick and contract something from somebody. It was in large crowds often. Yeah, and not to mention you not sleeping. You're, like, depriving your immune system from what makes you a healthy human being. Right. And then taking off and exposing yourself to whatever the fuck is out there. Now, mind you, I have a whole bunch of vitamins and shit that I take every day anyway when I travel. So like, you know, when I'm in my truck and I travel for work or I go from point A to point B and do all that stuff, I take magnesium and zinc and I take vitamin D and vitamin C and then I take emergency packets with bottles of water during the day. So I take that every day anyway. Yeah. I always have. Um, I mean, I added zinc and magnesium recently and that's it. I take glucosamine and chondroitin because I have bad joints because I work too damn much too and I'm old, I guess. But it just sounded responsible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to... I want people that are living in fear. I mean, it's like my mom. My mom, for the longest period of time, she wouldn't go to the grocery store because she was afraid to go to the grocery store. And I want people that are in that same mindset to see and hear a piece about being able to be free to travel to the United States. And people are, people are concerned. They're like, oh, my God, I can't go to Australia. I can't go to this or that because I don't have the vaccine and I want to go on vacation. Cool, man. Well... I just went and showed you all these really cool places in the United States that you probably haven't experienced that you could really go waste a whole bunch of time. So, like, were you worried about going Not even again? waste. You could no, spend you, a bunch you of time. you spend a bunch of time. Well, that's what I mean. Sorry, I said it that way. You can go do some incredibly cool shit inside the United States and spend money with the people that you live with, technically. Like, your own communities, the communities outside your communities. I found probably three different places I want to go back to and experience a week or two weeks of just three I'm just talking three heavy ones yeah yeah there's lots <laughs> there's there's a lot of places I want to go back but like Page Arizona oh, I want to yeah. go dude I yeah. want to spend a whole freaking week or two out in Page you've got Antelope Canyon out there which is like all the the carved sandstone cavern walkthrough that you just look it up on Instagram people it's beautiful yeah. and then Horseshoe Bend is right there and you can actually canoe or paddle or raft or boat the river in the Grand Canyon. I know. I would ride a donkey down. Yeah, dude. Ride a donkey back out. Why not? 
I want to go camp. You got to book the trip like two years out. I was just talking to somebody about that. I, I want to go, go camp on the basin and the peninsula in the middle of Horseshoe Bend. Because you can't. You just float down the river, pitch a tent, oh, yeah. and then do your thing, man. Like, I'm going to take my paddleboard and pack it up and haul ass out there and my camping shit, pack some food, go down there and just chill. It's beautiful, dude. I love it. Zion? Holy shit. Zion was incredible. You been through Zion? I haven't. You're missing out. No, I, mean, I, I would, haven't been there. I'm not, trust me, I ain't missing out. I know, you ain't missing shit. <laughs> you're as bad as I am, you're everywhere. I but just haven't seen that part. Man, and that was, a, that was a key interest on my trip, too, because I know some people that have been and spoke highly of it. And I looked at my journey from east to west, and I was like, well, there's no reason why I can't go there. And I did Horseshoe Bend and Zion in the same day. And... In Zion, there's places like all these places where you can pull over, take pictures, whatever it is. It's so massive. You don't even, you have no understanding of how enormous this place is. And it's like 25 mile an hour speed limit through there. Everybody's doing about 15, which is cool because you can see shit. Yeah. And then I pulled over, you know, perfect little bike is right here. I see the stone rock cropping. I'm going to get this cool picture. And then I look up. And there's this really cool hill. I was like, dude, I'm going to stand on top of that and take a picture. But in order to do it, I knew I'd have to set my shit up somewhere else. So I had to climb up one set of hills and set my phone up on a tripod oh and, and record a video. And so I, I let it, yeah, up. I walk away and I'm like gone for three or four minutes, five minutes. And then I finally start to show back up and I'm this tiny little piece of me. And then I climb all the way to the other side while I rip the shit out of my pants doing it. So my, my, my pack was lighter coming home. That was one pair of pants less. But it was just such an amazing experience to go through that space, man. And to know that those kind of things are like right here in our back door. I want people to not be afraid to go experience all that shit. From like my just experience, go do it. there is not very many people afraid. I mean, maybe there are people afraid, but there are people out there experiencing all these things right now. There is no shortage of humans doing shit out there. <laughs> yeah, dude. None. No shortage of sprinter vans. No. People man. say it's hard to get sprinter vans. It's hard for me to believe because there's a They're fuck everywhere. ton of them out there. Dude. I pass them every time I'm on the road. Well, and Page is a really cool place, too, because they have, like, the whole tourist side of Page. Where, or, uh, no, excuse me, Zion. <clears throat> Zion as a city is a big tourist town because it's on the west side of the park. And it's like old mine town mentality kind of shit where rocks and gems and food and drink and hotels and all that shit. I mean, you can Indian go, art. Yeah, you can go do all of that kind of shit if you want to. That's not my jam. You know, I don't, I might go into that town to eat, but that's not where I want to go. You know, I'd rather be on the, the page side where the town's smaller, there's almost nothing going on, there's fewer people, and the more things that, the things that you're looking at more are the nature and the experiences you have instead of the engineered attention that they're trying to create revenue from. Well, and then the people that you meet in those places as well that are on the same page. Yeah. You know, that are, you know. Well, I met, I met a lady when I was walking into, um, into Horseshoe Bend. 
I'm sitting there thinking, man, it feels pretty good. Is it chilly? Is it not chilly? I couldn't tell. I'd strip some layers off. I'm like, everybody's walking in shorts and a shirt, but I just got rained on a couple of times, so I was kind of just coldish. Yeah. <clears throat> I walk away from the bike. I got my jacket and my helmet because I'm trying to take some really cool images of this helmet around the United States, too, as part of the gimmick of, a, like, imagery that I'm creating. And then I pass this lady, and she's larger, much larger. You can tell she's struggling walking. She's got a really cool walking stick that folds up super tiny. I was like, and I mentioned to her, just trying to create casual conversation because she looks like she was struggling. I was like, I really like your walking stick. I said, that's pretty awesome. It folds up that small because I was holding a tripod that fits in my saddlebag that also gets like eight foot tall. So I was just complimenting her trying to change the mood, the mood of the moment yeah. for her. Because Get her to I, think I was, of something else yeah. besides how difficult it is. Right, because she's walking up a giant hill. She smiled, said something to me, a little comment back, and then I realized I left my phone on the bike. Hmm. Perfect. In the middle of the parking lot, you know, where everybody walks right by it and they can just steal it. I was like, shit, after locking everything up, right? <clears throat> I go back, I walk past her. She goes, what'd you forget? And I say, I forgot my phone. She goes, you probably need that. So I get it. And uh, I always walk around with these stickers that I had Ace Graphics made that have the tag and whatnot. So as I go to walk back, <clears throat> I'm hot. I'm like, damn, walk back to the bike. And I only made it to the end of the parking lot. I take them all in my jacket and everything off, throw it down. And then I walk. She's right at the edge of the parking lot. And I'm like, wow, I want to give her a sticker. I'm like, say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Check it out. And then when I approach her, I find out that she's got three kids that are service members. Tells me a story about each one of them. Tells me about, you know, why she's there, the struggles that she has, you know, knowing that they might have struggles and all that stuff and how much she appreciates what it is that I'm doing. And she goes, I'm going to put one of these on my Jeep right now. And so I, like, handed her four or five more. And I was like, here, so that every one of your children can have one. And you can still have one if you put one on your Jeep. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just the best thing in the world is just running into random people and finding out a story. Mm -hmm. Or, like, at a rest stop. <clears throat> had some other guy who he does, they do hunting and fishing trips for veterans and travel all over the United States to scout locations to take people to them and stuff. And we hooked up. He was like, man, I love what you're doing. So we do this. So like, if we can help you guys ever, like we'd love to use our resource in order to help guys that you're helping kind of thing. That's a cool, yeah, there's a yeah. handful of those out there, the hunting yeah. and fishing guys that, mm -hmm. you know, do trips for vets, raise money to, mm -hmm. Just get them out there, dude. Just get them back acclimated, working in this environment. I mean, that's, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't even know if it's right to compare, but like when I go on a trip and I'm out hanging with my buds or people I don't know, traveling, and then I come home, you know, there's like some, you know, there's some transition time where I'm like, to, to communicate with my kids, you know, like I, it takes me a minute. I can't imagine being gone and in the environment that they're exposed to, you know, mm -hmm. and then coming home and trying to deal with the gas station lady that's pissed off because she woke up later, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, my number one. When I talk to people, they're like, well, what is it you guys do? And I was like, well, we try to find a way to create <clears throat> an interaction that allows us to get inside their head a little bit. They become freer because we provide experience access to music con you know, concerts or bike rally events or whatever's going on across the United States that we include them in. And that breaks down a barrier where mentally they become more vulnerable and then they try to discuss, they will discuss with us what it is they need and then we utilize our resources in order to provide a better 
potential life for them. Well, we have, I have a guy that I dealt with, and uh, I used a story that these, they're like, oh, well, what do you mean? I was like, oh, well, you know, sometimes people need like mental health or they want to help start a business or they need marriage counseling or <clears throat> whatever it is. They need a place to come hang out in the afternoon just to like free their head after working for a shithead boss or how to go shop for broccoli and not kill somebody. Yeah. Because I do have a guy that his wife, when he came back from being deployed, she was all organic. And he didn't understand what fucking this organic shit was. He understands, but he doesn't like get it. Yeah, like, and she, that's what you're fucking worried about. It was is the fucking organic mm. label on the mother. Yeah, they had a bunch of those I mean, arguments. I flip out a little bit too. They had I a bunch of those arguments. Carrots. And the issue was, she wanted organic broccoli. It was real important. And so he's pissed that he has to fucking go get organic fucking broccoli. And there's one crown of organic broccoli left, and he's middle of COVID shit, trying to get the bag open, not licking his fingers, standing there pissed off, trying to open this fucking bag, getting organic fucking broccoli, and he's standing chest to, to crown, like the crown's right in front of him, okay? So it's not like he's standing away from it. And this woman reached around him before he got the bag open, grabbed the crown of broccoli, and she says, excuse me, and then licks her fingers, stuffs it in her bag. He grabbed her by the throat, picked her up off the ground, and body slammed her on the fucking ground. I mean, she went full parallel to the fucking ground. And I don't know he, if I'm supposed to laugh at that or not. It's, it's humorous. <laughs> but dude, he freaking laid her the fuck out. Knocked out instantly. Laid yeah. on the ground. EMTs had to come. Or EMS had to come take her to the hospital. She and now he's the bad guy. Pass the fuck out. Now he's but because the bad of the guy. shit that he deals with, he has coping mechanism issues, and she was the way that he coped at the moment. And he never came home with that broccoli because his ass went to fucking jail. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, that shit's important to me, dude. Like, when you can't function on that level, man. You just went and served your country. You say, gave me the opportunity to do all the fucking things I do for the rest of my life. My freedoms and liberties are protected and honored because of people that go put themselves in a position where they can't fucking shop for broccoli without killing somebody. So what kind of piece of shit am I to not think it in me to want to give back to that? Because that does serve me. You know, that, that group, this environment, military, first responder serves me really well. I have a lot of affinity for him, a lot of appreciation for it. I feel like I'm a patriot and I really love my country. So yeah, if I can't find it in me to get back to that community somehow, I mean, I feel kind of selfish. Like that's the whole purpose of the trip. It's create attention for Joe, what he's doing. And they now have, they, they've got a facility, it's 10,000 square foot facility that they're putting together to have a shop, you know, retail space where they can do events. Um, you know, they do a bunch of family-oriented type stuff. They do cookouts, all kinds of things where they can have music on the weekends, whatever it is. So it's like going to the Harley dealership, they got but not drugs. the dealership. Hmm? You got drugs? I mean, the VA gives them plenty. Yeah. You know, they're do you know MAPS is doing a lot of work with them with the mushrooms and the MDMA. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that, that experience, the experiences I've had <clears throat> with the right, like, you know, I hate to say it, guide 
or shot. But, you know, somebody who's knowledgeable, can, who can walk somebody who's been through some traumatic shit through an enlightening experience mm-hmm. that is possible through those drugs. I, I really hope that that is, you know, that they're able to push forward with those, with whatever laws and things that have to change and regulations so that they can use those things to help people. Because I don't know that anything, you know, obviously what he's doing is great. You're like, that's the only way right now. But, dude, those, there's, gosh, I know that those drugs are helping people out. I know that they help. I know they help a lot of things. I mean, I did a lot of acid mushrooms when I was a kid. Yeah. And I would say that I feel that a person that hasn't done hallucinogenics is missing out on perspective. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't say everybody needs that perspective. No, but I'm just saying. They are definitely missing out on something. It's a useful perspective that can be very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And extremely. And but I mean, so is riding a motorcycle. Yeah, hundred percent. So is fucking catching a fish, you know, especially in some remote place off a fly you just tied yourself. Yeah, I mean, and then you cook it, and you hang out with your friends. Like you just caught the most awesome fish. You cooked it, like rough and tumble, like right there by the side of the river, and you're feeding your fellow man because you did something. Like that's rad as fuck. You didn't do any fishing on this trip, did you? No, I had an opportunity, though. Oh, my God, and yeah. you turned it down. Well, it wasn't. Fucking empty ti- ti- Timing was not working for me to go fishing because the, the conversation was. It's not like a fast-paced situation. We, we are, uh, we're going to be going out on this day, man. We're going out two days from now. We're going to go do this. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to be in New York, or I'm going to be in L.A. by then. Yeah. <laughs> they said, no, you're not. I said, cool, follow the hashtag. You'll yeah. see me. I'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> I mean that was it too, man. There were some people, so I got a, I got a little, little education for some of you that are doing this too. If you tag a bunch of people, if you tag anybody right now on Instagram, and this is gonna change like a week or two weeks or a month from now, whatever. If you at somebody, and you don't make it a paid partnership, your viewership goes down because they think that you're utilizing somebody else's name or likeness or property, intellectual property, in order to attract attention from their audience for yourself without authority. And so I've got to go back and edit a bunch of my So shit. when you say paid partnership... When you go to... When you go... Any opposed how does that, that make, make it okay? Because they've got to okay it? But yeah. If I say that this is a paid partnership, because somebody had... I've seen somebody do it to me. And I, they said, is this a paid partnership that you're familiar with, you've been tagged in this post and then you approve it and then it becomes a paid partnership and so now it'll crossbreed everybody's audience on that item. So when I've been tagged a couple times, like Chopper's Magazine keeps doing, a, you know, he's selling the new mag with the Desperado on it. He's tried to like make me a part of his store and it says like if I approve this, he'll get to use it, but I can't figure out how to approve <clears throat> it. I can't even, I don't even know how to do it. I had one night, I was... I was somewhere, man. I was in the middle of freaking nowhere somewhere. A little bit high, middle of nowhere. Took freaking like, I left Boston with two two pins just because my brain works so much that I might be tired from writing, but I'll lay down and I can't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I just sat there on my phone and I buried myself into the business side of Instagram and started investigating all the layers of whatever the hell it was and started finding a bunch of this shit. And then Jeff Holt had mentioned the paid partnership part and I was like, you know what? I did see something about that. That makes some sense. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to fix and adjust all that. And then between now and V-Twin Visionary, I'm going to do all separate posts for each one of the sponsors to isolate the attention, do them as paid partnerships. That way all of the metrics and attention plays out really well. And uh, when it makes sense, like there's this fucking dude named Rob, he's got a podcast, <laughs> Crazy Gentleman, mm-hmm. and he keeps tagging me on his Instagram. He t- well, he fucking tags, looks like he tags as many people as he fucking can, right? Uh, I don't know if he's because he talks about all those fucking people or if he's just trying to get you that to post pay attention to, show, to him, and yeah, or if is he trying to get that post to show up on my you know, because when you go to your page and you go to tag photos, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bunch of weird shit like. People selling nails or tennis shoes that tag yeah. me from Mogadishu know. or yeah. India, whatever. whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so it makes sense that they would be trying to do something about that. Man, I'm just going to find a way to create more attention for what it is that I'm doing between now and V-Twin because I want people to have the opportunity to win all this shit. Yeah. Like I didn't do it to just have it like sit around. I'm going to go check out the fucking, what, TT? What's that? TT Vets? TT Vets. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's like, that was the primary reason. Mm-hmm. Primary reason was I wanted to go to the 9-11 Memorial because I was there 19 and a half years ago. So back to New York. And I made a post about this, but people that won't ever go see it or read it or whatever the hell it is, doesn't matter. I was there 19 and a half years ago. My ex-wife was a network educator for Bumble and Bubble Hair Products. She had to go to New York for work. I was surprised to be with her on her trip as a like a late birthday present. So I go to New York. We stayed on Church Street, which is right down the street from where the Twin Towers were. And when I came into New York, I had some amazing opportunity for imagery. I'm sitting in traffic, and I'm just frustrated. And when I came into town, I saw the lights that they shine in the air, and I was like, oh, it's so rad. And then I'm like worried about traffic, so I'm not looking up. And I was at this intersection. All these people were leaning out the window with their cell phones and pointing them up. And I was like, what's going on? And I look up, and the lights are right above me, dude. And I got some killer photos of the fucking lights just shining like straight out of the top of my head kind of shit. And um, I go in the area, and I'm trying to park. And all these cops are like, no, you can't park here. No parking here. No parking here. And then I ended up, the first, the first spot that I parked was right there, almost where I had been 19 and a half years ago. No shit. I made this walk when I was there. I would walk down the street, get coffee from a street vendor 19 and a half years ago. And I, the first day I walked on that property, I stood there for 10 hours staring at a hole in the ground. Like, didn't even move in an area that wasn't, like, 20 steps away from each step and just stared at this giant freaking hole in the ground. They were excavating and digging all the shit out from the collapse still. It was chaos. It hit me, dude. It hurt. Like, it really hurt when I saw that. I remember the first thing I thought when I saw the Twin Towers come down. As a parent, the first thing that ran through my head, obviously, was, dude, all those kids that are in school right now aren't going to see their parents come home. That was, like, the most painful thing to think about. And then I thought, it's like, dude, what would it be like if I kissed my kid goodbye and they went to school and then I never came back? Like, that's sad, dude. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I made the same walk into the property that I had made when I was there 19 and a half years ago. And it was like the moment I crossed that line and I put my foot on the property, I couldn't breathe, dude. 
It's like somebody sucked the fucking air out of the room. And I was just sitting there going, like, in my head, trying to tell my body how to breathe. Like, how do I communicate with my lungs to suck air in? It was the weirdest shit in the world. And then finally, I took this big gasp of air, and I started breathing normal again. It was like I was some weird panic state. I couldn't figure it out. Like, I didn't know how to breathe anymore. Like, if you're underwater and you're too afraid to suck in the water and just drown, it's that mentality. Like, I couldn't suck air in. And I went down to the the first memorial that I came to, because there's two of them. Obviously, there's two towers, so there's two giant holes in the ground. There's a waterfall that's eternal that flows into those vertically all the way around the perimeter of this giant square where the, the memorial is all the way around it with all the names that are cut into this Corten steel piece that's made all the way around. It's super neat. And then there's light inside all of that. And then in the very middle, that is a smaller square where all the water drops into from the pool that's in the middle, and then it disappears into nothing. And so I see that as a symbolism, as eternal tears. If you were to ask me, this is a giant waterfall. But when I had a bunch of people hit me up, like, um, like Josh Reeves was one of them. But it was interesting because him and about five other people said it the exact same way. They said, when you get there, put your hand on that for me. They said, I, I don't know if I'll ever have the opportunity to get there, but it would mean something for you to do that for me. And obviously I wanted to touch it, but it was like I walked up to it and I put my hand on it and I couldn't move my hand, dude. <laughs> like I couldn't physically pull my fucking hand off. Same thing about like me and breathing. I could not lift my hand off of it because I was like stuck to it like a magnet for probably like five minutes. And then it was just like, like right now I'm tearing up. But like, I was fucking crying, dude. Like it just felt so incredibly painful to like stand there and know that like thousands of people fucking died right where I stood. For what? <laughs> because the U.S. decided that they were interested in some shit during the Cold War that eventually turned into the growth of the Taliban and then we ended up getting fucked in the ass by it. Like, everybody that thinks this is something that happened recently, this is a story that goes all the way back to the Cold War, why this shit happened. Most yeah. people don't understand the history of it. Well, and, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that those dudes flew these planes. I don't know that they didn't. There's a lot of conspiracy thought about a lot of it. But the fact of the matter is, if one motherfucker wants to tell me that planes did not hit those towers, they can go fuck themselves. Oh, planes definitely hit those towers. They definitely did. I don't... None of us will ever know what the reality of all of that really is. No. The one thing is, a lot of people died, like you talked about. And that's it. Innocent people. A lot of innocent people died. And man, you could see people at the memorial that obviously they were there to have this connection with the person or people that they lost and the only or maybe not even people that they lost people that in their lives that were directly affected by the situation sure. whether it's like their son that went and fought because mm -hmm. of this or absolutely you know their dad that never came back after that because well, he went and fought or, or just because somebody you know it touched everybody in america and like right now 
you know, one of the most beautiful things was the days, months, weeks after that event. Mm-hmm. How everybody was like fucking putting American flags. Like none of all this trivial shit that people are complaining about now didn't fucking mean anything then. The twelfth is always the best day. Everybody says that. I want another nine twelve. You know, because just having I can imagine there's people there that are just trying to connect with like, you know, how unified we were then. Yeah. As opposed to we what we are now. It was beautiful, man, in a bunch of ways and really saddening at the same time. Like, I mean, I saw couples I know people that were there to see people they knew too. Like yeah. just by the way that they acted and interacted with the memorial and spoke. There was a really, really adorable older couple that I so wanted this picture. And the thing is, there's so many people there. And I made it on the property, by the way, at 11 p.m. Like, put my foot on the property at 11 p.m. So I had already told myself, I'm getting there no later than 11 p.m. And I fucking made it right on the money at 11 p.m. But there was this really, really adorable couple, man. They probably, they're in their 60s-ish. And they were holding hands and the way that they held hands and their body language and all this shit, it was like, fuck, dude. The way they just like stood in front of the memorial and stared at it. And I was like, I want that image. And I couldn't get it and I couldn't get it. And by the time people get it out of my way, they had moved. And then I found them again and then their body posture wasn't the same. So there was stuff like that that I was really trying to catch because it really speaks like emotion. I do have one picture of a couple that were... Dude, they were crying so hard. It's like I'm crying trying to take their picture without without them knowing and trying to get it in a way to where people are and I've got my bag off of my bike, you know, it's got a handle and it rolls like luggage and shit. And I got my helmet and all this crap. And um I just got to a point where I would like set my bag and the tripod up to block people. And people would have to walk around it. And so I create like a little barrier to fucking defer traffic so I could take pictures of people and things. It worked pretty good. But I had my tripod, I had my tripod fully extended and I literally would poke it straight out in space to block people from walking past me because I'm trying to take a picture of somebody or something. And so I was able to get that picture of them and at some some point I'll use it as a post obviously, but it's just a very powerful image to see this couple that's like in a full body embrace staring at the flowers that they brought for one of their mothers. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit's sad, dude. You know, and there's a bunch of people that that I spoke to and interacted with that, you know, they weren't even alive when it happened. And that was part of it, too. Is like, I wanted to understand how it affects them having not had directly experienced it. Like, there's people in the firehouse that are in their mid-20s that obviously didn't experience it. They were in kindergarten. Yeah, but their communities were affected by it, you know, mm-hmm. and will always be. There's there's no way that that area will ever be the same. And what was really scary too for a community in particular is over in Queens there was a like a ten story building, and it looked like the top three floors of it were on fire, and it was on the eleventh. So this giant building in the middle of this small community looked like 9-11 all over again. Three alarm fire, so three houses responded to it. And because some of the windows were open from construction on the top floors, the smoke was drafting into the top floors and then back out. 
And so it was really just the roof and the top floor that was on fire. But it literally made everybody immediately go back to 9-11. And mind you, this is, this is 40 minutes away from where the buildings are. But still, wrong day, wrong thing, wrong time. And the whole community was just outside crying and freaking out and just taking photos and videos. And there were people saying, this, oh my God, it's happening again. And just all that kind of shit. High emotions, I imagine, Dude, in that it's area. it's tough, man. It's so heavy. So heavy. And, you know, I, I stayed... There's about a million bikes there. I saw more Can-Ams with neons on them than I'd ever seen in one place. There was a crew of about 50 of them right near where I parked my bike the second time. Because I moved it from where I was because where I ended up parking, somebody had... I, when I was walking to the second memorial, I noticed there was a cop over there, and they were looking at everybody's cars and bikes and shit because we're all parked illegally. So I ended up moving. And the second location I was at, you got to think, that was Saturday. So here I was, 2 o'clock in the morning, going through my pictures, content, all this stuff. Some pregnant chick wanted to take a picture on my bike. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. You know, her and her husband and their kid were there. It was really cute. And... uh I just stayed there to like four o'clock in the morning going through my content or two in the morning going through my content and stuff and then slept finally because I needed to sleep again for like two hours just on the bike just you know kick back against my pack with my feet over the tank onto the crash bar and woke up and I was like Sunday I was like I guess I don't have to worry about moving from here because there's not going to be any buses or traffic or people or anything really I was like but dude there's nobody in town I can't hear anything because there was no people. They, I mean, they closed down the memorial at midnight. You got to be out. It's a public park. And so I was like, this is a perfect time to go right around New York. I go anywhere I want right now, and nobody's in my way. And so I'm like blasting through intersections, doing 60 miles an hour, fucking going through stoplights and stop signs, all kinds of dumb shit. It was that empty. It was Come fucking on. flat empty. I think I saw one car in two hours riding around New York. No fucking way. I saw a couple cop cars. But I saw one driving vehicle in a road that I was traveling on for almost two hours. It was insane to me. And it was like some weird apocalyptic shit where nobody was around anymore. And there was a cop. that, And they don't chase bikes. They don't pull bikes over. They don't do any of that shit. But a cop pulls me over because I just went through like five stop signs and a stoplight, and I happened to stop at this next one because it was kind of a bigger intersection. I couldn't see around the buildings and stuff. And he pulled right up next to me. He didn't really have his lights or siren on or any of that shit. He just cruised right up next to me and stopped. And then when the light turned green, he goes, whoop. And so I didn't go. And he looks at me and goes, what the fuck are you actually doing? <laughs> I said, I'm riding a motorcycle. He says, no, what the fuck are you doing running all those stoplights and stops or stop signs and stoplight? And I said, uh, enjoying the city with nobody in it, sir. And he goes, don't serve me and don't do that shit again while I'm around. I was like, well, then don't fucking hang out. And I took off <laughs> right at the light because it was green still. <laughs> he wasn't rolling code. He didn't tell me to get off my bike, none of that yeah. shit. I was like, fuck it, I'm leaving. And took off, man. He kind of laughed when I said that shit and had this look on his face like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Oh, it was good. And then I went over to uh, Bobby's, over to Indian Larry's, and everybody's like, are you going to be there for the block party? And I was like, I will be in Kansas by the time you guys have the block party. 
No, you. Yes, I'm fucking. Fuck you guys. Yes, I will. And I mean, it was the next week. And I was. Well, shit was like three days, four days, five days later or some shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, hung out with Bobby, had coffee. And that was so funny because, you know, you watch his, his stories and he's always filling up his coffee, doing his thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can't wait till he gets here so I can have some coffee. And he's got a sick flagpole right in front of his shop. So I got a really cool shot of like the front of the shop and the flagpole and the bike and all that stuff. <clears throat> and then he walks out. And hands me a cup of coffee. I was like, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted when I came mm-hmm. here. Fucking cup of coffee from you. I love that dude, man. He's fucking awesome. They were getting ready for the block party, obviously. He goes, you know, I'm just going to get me some Italian ices. I'm going to sit right here in the corner and sell them for a couple bucks to all my friends. Let everybody come into town, have a good time, see the wall of death, take some photos. Maybe it's the last one. Maybe it's not. We'll see. He says it is, and then everybody's like, "We'll see you next year." And yeah, I'm pretty sure he did that last year. The, well, the year before last, it was year, two years yeah. ago. He said, "This is the last one." Okay. I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna get there," and then I couldn't get there. So yeah, I'm really hoping it happens next year because I will go just for it. But then again, the the problem with the timing, all that, I don't know how it works. So we're talking about uh, possibly doing a 9/11 trip every year coincide with the hometown, um, what do they call it? It's the hometown show, hometown rally, hometown, whatever. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when they do the anniversary up there every year, um, Tommy and I talked about it because I was like, yeah, I want to make this trip again, but I don't want to do the whole trip again. I just would like to go to the 9-11 Memorial on the 11th. So I think we're going to try to plan something that coordinates with the hometown show, rally, whatever, meetup. They call that, I'm forgetting the words right now, which is the week before 9-11. And so we arrived from Milwaukee to the 9-11 Memorial on the 11th. So we'll do like a four or five day trip over nice. and make it a thing. And we'll do fundraisers for a couple of months leading up to it. So that I th- that we're going to figure out what it's going to go to and how. But I think it'd be really cool to do some kind of <clears throat> annual dr- donation drive that's not just motorcycle community related to for lack of a better term, uh, make gift baskets for people at firehouses and shit. <laughs> so, like, we think about the kind of stuff the dudes might want around the firehouse, you know? Yeah. I'm going to talk to a bunch of them and try to figure out, like, you know, what kind of stuff gets you guys excited that you don't have here that you think sometimes, I mean, they have their whole life there. Charcuterie boards. Yeah, charcuterie <laughs> boards. Um, just whatever. I don't know. i got to think of what that is and what that means and how that's going to play out, but it just yeah. sounds like a neat thing. And... Um, it's even one of those things where like a person, like people are going to come up there and be a part of that. They come up to Milwaukee, they've got to go over to New York and then they got to go home. So I mean, it's a two week trip for somebody at that point. Well, when they go home, they branch out, they branch in to Milwaukee. We ride together to New York and they branch back out to go home. Well, maybe we find a firehouse proximal to them or on their journey home. That's keystone for them in their journey that they can stop at and that we could already have whatever is going to be given to them, sent to them, and then they can do some content with that firehouse and spend time with them and, you know, do some fellowship with that firehouse on the way home. I don't know. There's something there. I just don't know what it is yet. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to do that every year. Because, honestly, I rode in a T-shirt almost the whole fucking trip. Perfect time of year. It also could be the worst time of year. I was like, dude, it's monsoon season. You're going to get rained on. It was pretty nice the past couple weeks. I got real fortune 
handed to me in a bunch of ways because I think I wore my jacket at night pretty much every night just because it gets chilly. But man, I only put layers, layers on three times on the whole fucking trip on the East Coast and two times on the West Coast. Like there was definitely coming through Tucson, I got shit on. I was trying to iron butt from um, Fallbrook area, which is like San Diego-ish. Yeah. I was trying to iron butt from there to Mark's at Texas Performance Motorcycles in Cedar Park. Now, it's way more than a 1,000 miles, but there's something about... It's not way more. What is it, like 14? 16. Is it 16? I think so. But it's enough to where through any 24-hour window, because I'm taking so many photos, I can look at like the location of this photo and this, mm-hmm. this timeline here. I can look at two photos 24 hours apart at any point that I get 1,000 miles in. I got rained on so fucking hard in Tucson, dude, and it was like 40-something degrees. Perfect. In Tucson? <laughs> so for four-something hours, I was stuck in Tucson at a rest stop with rain so hard that I could not ride through it. So I just kind of laid there took a little nap on the bench. As soon as the rain stopped, I was awake. I could hear it quit and just woke up. I was like, I gotta go put all my shit on. I had a t-shirt on, a flannel, an electric jacket, and used the batteries that time, just like a thin one that uh, my buddy Steve had given me when I was in New York. And then on top of that, I had a hoodie, and then my coat, and then my fucking rain gear on top of that. And that was just all onto my top layer because I, me and cold, once I get cold, I'm fucked, dude. And my hands are terrible. So I borrowed gloves because mine kept turning themselves inside out in a weird way from Millhouse in Tennessee. So I got to mail him his gloves back. But they're awesome. Um, and then on my legs, I had just socks, shoes, pants, double pants. Damn, ah. that's amateur hour. <laughs> That's amateur hour. Held that much air for that long. So, I had uh, like blue jeans on, dickies on, and freaking uh, thermals underneath there because, dude, I just don't do cold well. Not in the wind like that. The problem is, is on this trip, I sat there and said, okay, if there's two things, if I'm going to do long, dumb trips like this, I want electric gloves. I definitely want to get an electric jacket and I want fucking boots that are like Gore-Tex fucking weatherproof, some kind of fucking boot something Mm -hmm. to where if I am wearing my fucking rain gear for any reason, that my feet don't get full of water. I mean, I find that a pair of good bottoms Mm -hmm. with long johns makes a difference in a leather pair of pants. Good. You're fine there. Same yeah. with the top. Just a good, just good base layer. Yeah. You know, in the fucking, you know, I always do my three layers. The base layer, mm-hmm. my pearl t-shirt, pearl snap, and my flannel. And then you put the leather on that. Good. I hate being cold. I love it cold but when I sleep. my feet and my hands, you know. Dude, my hand, the problem with my hands is, is that, like, my, my pointer and my middle finger go straight up fucking yellow like into frostbite territory almost immediately. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm so grateful for it. It's the first bike I've had any kind of windshield or any of that shit on. So I put the 16 and a half inch Clockworks windshield on it because I'm like, I'm going to put one on it. I'm going to want the wind off me at some point. Especially when you get into heavy rain or a bunch of rain. Man, it's nice to only get some of that shit on your fucking visor because I wear a full face to where I'm not worried about trying to see past the rain on my helmet to see what's going on. So it was just enough for that. But also, I could put my feet up on the engine guard lock the throttle on any of these middle of nowhere spaces that worked well and some that aren't and tuck up behind that fucking windshield and keep my hands kind of like in my lap and the hot air comes straight up underneath the motor right into my fucking lap and I can warm my hands up a little bit and just chill man I had this one chick follow me for it had to be I didn't see him behind me first but I stood up at one point rode for like two or three miles or something just to stretch my legs on the back pegs and then I noticed that when I sat back down and kind of checked traffic, she was filming all of it and she was laughing her ass off. And it was kind of kind of cool, but it felt good. And then I'm just trying to stretch my legs and my back and all this shit. And then I put my feet up on the engine guard like that shit. And they paced me while I sat there and rode with no hands for, had to have been 10 fucking miles on some pretty decent curvy roads. But man, that bike handles so fucking well that I was able to just kind of lean into it, lean into it and just keep on going. It's such a good My fucking ride. My soft tail used to be like that. It's nice. You just set that throttle lock. Sit back. And you could do any turn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the oh. Pan Am. <clears throat> it's Not. a little bit more uh, reactive. Yeah. You know, like, once you get it turning, you got to, like... You got to sling it back into the fucking lane. You got to throw your way to get it to stand back <laughs> up straight. <laughs> You can use your hand, like I was using my arms at one point. To yeah, like as wind, wind, and it like leans you. I yeah. did that a couple times because I had to turn more. <laughs> yeah, I and I got to where I could like, on that Pan Am, just like stand up on the pegs with no hands, just leaning into the wind. Mm. I hadn't done any of that. I hadn't done that yet. Not trying to surf that motherfucker and get blown off of it and then see the motorcycle going away from me and crash. I mean, I'm not trying to see that either. <laughs> There's something about just standing on your bike, dude, and it going fucking 80 miles an hour. Mm. No, it's awesome. That bike, it's only got 88 in it. So when I stand up on it, full throttle, that bike will only do 80 miles an hour on the flat. Really? If I'm going uphill, it drops to like 70. Downhill, it'll do 90, standing up. It's just too much wind resistance, man. I'm fucking, I'm 519. You got that in that windshield. <laughs> that freaking, that slows a whole lot of motorcycle down. Uh, man, I tell you what, though, on the trip, as far as one of the most rewarding things about the trip, other than the people I met and got to interact with and see shit that I had never seen before, <clears throat> was just seeing the country. Like, just seeing the difference of how people live, their towns, how they're assembled, see the people and how they interact with their town and those kind of things. And there's a lot of people that, you know, for lack of, I really don't want to have political conversation, but it, it you see a lot of media play into the fear-mongering part of um, the Democratic side of the, the aisle and how all that plays into how they hate the Republicans and all this shit. And everybody's sitting there going, whoa, man, there must be a bunch of really loudmouth Democrats everywhere. Man, I'll tell you what, the overwhelming popularity in the United States, I would have to say, is Republican. You travel across all those farm lands. Now, mind you, their population's less dense, so that's why you can see that in so many spaces. But at the same time, dude, there's just a lot of common sense shit out there, too. 
Like, I'd say the overwhelming popula- population in the United States is some pretty God-fearing, respect-the-other-man kind of shit going on, you know? And there's a lot less chaos than people think. So when it comes to the get-out-and-go-do-shit stuff, man, just go do it. I mean, even California, everybody's so worried about it being shut down. You go to Southern California, man, they don't give a shit. There's nobody wearing masks in restaurants. There's no requirements for anybody to do anything. It's been my experience. Just go out and fucking do shit, man. You know? And it's just beautiful out there, dude. There's so much shit to see and do. And that's just what I want to continue to do, is just find ways to go explore the country and enjoy them. You know, like I said, now that I'm that empty nester, bro. (laughs) Gotta get you a fucking adventure bike. Uh, No, man, we talked about this. You and I talked about something. And um, I thought about that on my trip. I was like, man, I guess I need to dirt bike up now. Because that thing that you and I talked about, I think that'd be really good for next year. But man, you're way ahead of me, light years on beating your, <laughs> beating yourself up on the bike, off road. So now I got to sit here and be like, damn, I got to catch up to Dan's pace on fucking off road shit. That'll never happen. I'd have to spend the rest of my year between now and next I mean, year doing that. I mean, it's uh, you've been some places on that bike that people shouldn't be on that bike. Do you know what's beautiful about those places? Is just like, you know, like we talked about earlier. Get out, get people are out. There's vans everywhere. But you know where there ain't vans? Those roads I was on. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there were some side-by-sides. <clears throat> right. <laughs> well, there wasn't no... Fuck- I mean, every once in a while you see a Sprinter van out there, but... Oh, fuck, man. You know, I just think it's a valuable thing. Go out, experience the world, meet other people. Don't be afraid to freaking interact. You know, experience other people's communities, their their cultures, all that shit, and just get involved. Because not knowing the person next to you or the community next to you and stuff like that, I think is detrimental to like sustainable society. If you just live in your bubble and you don't only affect and control what you're doing, that's fine. But at the same time, <clears throat> you're you're less valuable to the community if you don't have any connectivity to it. Yeah, if you don't have any perspective. Yeah, perspective is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just don't want, I don't want people to be afraid to get out there and do that shit. Well, I think it's awesome that you captured a lot of that to share with us all. With, you know, your little things like that. Pulling your phone out and your tripod, setting shit up. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see what you put out. Well... I've got a bunch of editing ahead of me, I know that, to say the least. But I started, it's funny, I was coming back from L.A. for that with that bar countertop that I did, which, by the way, I took trim pieces for a piece of that bar with me on this whole damn trip. Like, I took them all the way. Did you to, do that on purpose, just so you could forever say? No. Those pieces traveled around the country? No, I just, I just had to do this thing where uh, I was there, the trim wasn't correct, the way that they made the wood structure, it wasn't gonna work out. So I had to definitely make new trim pieces coming back, but I also knew that if I didn't leave when I left, which was the Sunday of Born Free, that's when I came back to work on the bike so I could leave. That if I didn't, at that moment, leave and come back and give my tank, and that was another thing too, so I had 
the tank was supposed to be painted in Los Angeles, and a friend of mine was going to do it, and circumstances didn't work out. He couldn't do it. It was unfortunate, but I literally drove my tank from L.A. all the way to my painter's place, Ford, 29 fucking hours straight with one hour nap. 29 if it was driving. One hour was to be the 30th hour. But... I made that trip straight and I handed him the tank because I needed him to paint the graphic on the side of the tank. And when I handed it to him, he goes, my wife's water just broke. Oh, cool. Sweet. So I just looked at him for a minute and he goes, I'll have your tank done today. <laughs> so he painted it that day, ended up having this baby the next day. He also painted my helmet. He painted that radio box I got from you, but after I looked at how it was either put the radio box on there and fill that full of stuff and fill the bags full of stuff or put a backrest on it and then that bag fit with all my other shit on it and that gave me a backrest for the long trip so the radio box had never going on the damn bike. <laughs> it may one day, but not on any I big mean, trips. I mean, popping around town, <laughs> dude. Yeah, but not, that's gonna, that bike's going to be my tripping bike. Like I'm going to keep it as my long trip bike. And so thank you for the radio box that I didn't use. But it is painted and says Pleasure Interceptor on it. Nice. <laughs> and I did have, he also like sanded and cleared the lenses and the lights and all that shit. It was pretty rad. One cool thing about being on a cop bike is that half the time people think you're a cop and they get the fuck out of your way. Mm -hmm. Or they don't bug you or bust you or pull you over. And so I do have... The other instance where everybody slows down and starts pacing each other and then you have a traffic jam and you get really pissed off and you got to muscle through a crowd. So I remember I told you that uh, that bike was a friend of my dad's and they had, uh, who had passed away, Lori had given the other bike to his friend that he grew up with. I didn't know where that gentleman lived. I found out right before this trip that Lori was in Niagara. So part of my trip was to go from Wyndham, Maine. I went to saw Nick up at Forever Two Wheels. And that's kind of where I departed. So the journey starts at his place and then ping-pongs around the United States. But going to Niagara was a big deal, which is so rad. Dude. There's so much water going over that thing. It's insane. Like, I FaceTimed my kid, and I was like, look, water. <laughs> you know? But um, I go into town to visit with her, and I see this freaking shovel pan. And I'm like, oh, pan shovel, I guess, at that point. And I said, uh, I'm like flagging this dude over. I'm like, hey, pull over. He's like, not wanting to look at me. I'm like, right up in his shit. I'm like, pull the fuck over. And he won't pull over. So I hit the siren a little bit. And I look around before I do it. I'm like, whoop, whoop. And he freaking, oh, fuck, pulls over. I follow him into the parking lot. I was like, dumbass. And um, he's drunk, dude. He's not kind of drunk. He's motherfucking sloshed. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, man, this Tim's bike. And he goes, uh, what? no, man, this is my bike, man. He's like, how do you know Tim? And I was like, I don't know Tim, I know Lori. And I said, this is Tim's bike, her first deceased husband. I said, this is Mike's bike. I was like, man, you got time to go with me over to her house? Because I'm only like five minutes away. And he goes, no, I got to go meet, uh, I got to go meet you at her place. Because she told him that I was coming. So I run into him in the, in the middle of town. And I recognize the bike because it's like there's no headlight shroud around the trees or you know any of that stuff around the trees. The headlight's wrong. The handlebars are wrong. There's just some different shit on that bike. 
<clears throat> and the fact that obviously it's you know shovel up or pan lower, hard to miss the bike, especially in this circumstance. And uh, we go over there together, and she sat there and cried her fucking eyes out because we pulled up on both her deceased husband's bikes at the same fucking time. First time they'd been together in, like, four years. Wow. Both of them on the road, both of them being used. She called a bunch of her buddies that rode motorcycles and had them come over. We had, like, her own little mini bike night in her freaking driveway just chilling and stuff, dude. It was super cool, man. All the guys telling me their stories about their bikes and what they have. And just some nice bikes the guys showed up with. Every one of them proud as shit about what they have. Mm -hmm. I still, I told the guy right there with the fucking pan. I told him, I said, I'll, I'll trade you straight up right now if you like want to trade today right now. I'll take that bike. He's like, he didn't take and, you up, and on he it. said, No, man, I don't want it. I'm sorry, I love this bike. I was like, Okay. Damn. I thought about it for a minute. I was like, What if he says yes? Yeah. I was like, And then I have to ride that fucking thing across the United States. I don't know that I would be home right now. Hey, you'd have gotten some content. Uh, yeah, like Danger Dan's talk shop content, season one, two, and three. <laughs> Talk about running out of gas. I would be freaking hitting up Biltwell on my trip, be like, can you mail me five of those gas cans? Breaking batteries. Yeah, no, man, that bike, that bike would not have made it across the country. Dude. Yeah, it would have. It not, and not in the fashion that I put it, my shit through. And I definitely wouldn't be here right now. I'd, be some, I'd probably still be in California right now, or fuck Kansas for that matter. Waiting for gas. Break down in Kansas. Dude. I definitely would recommend that if anybody decided they wanted to make a trip from Colorado Springs to Zion, do it. Man, the ride from Colorado Springs area. There's some boring shit in there. There's some motherfucking beautiful country between Colorado Springs and Zion. Like, that was my favorite riding part of the entire trip because the Scenery is amazing. Did you cut in New Mexico? Or did uh, you go over, cross mm, into Utah? I think I ended up into Utah. From Colorado into Utah, over. So no, I didn't hit New Mexico because it's part of the north route. If you type where in... Is, where is Page? Page is like the north... East corner of okay, that's what I thought. the state. So did you go through like Mexican hat? No. Or are you still think higher so. than that, like Moab? No, not Moab, because I've been through Moab before. Moab is the. So were you south of Moab? I'll look it up right now for you. But the. Um, I think I was west of Moab. East. No, I've been east. Yeah, you had to yeah. cross either north or south of Moab. Yeah, no service here at Ten Top, Texas. Good. It's a good one. Good. The, uh, no, the journey, I mean, that was great. I also went over to Horsepower Inc., one of our sponsors, and saw Jimmy and all the guys. So out of all the events that were going on around the United States, like, obviously, I miss Four Corners. I miss Sturgis. I miss Indian Larry Block Party, all these things. And it was like, oh, well, cool, you can hit all this. And I was like, if I do all that in that order, uh, I will never make it across the United States. I'll be gone for two months. Like, fuck that shit. And I just happened coincided millhouse was getting his motor built over at uh horsepower inc by jimmy and the crew and they had their bike night on the night that i was arriving after i left pat's you Led know Sleds. somebody named millhouse yeah it's not his real name but that's what he calls himself okay um and he's got millhouse painted on his helmet and shit 
which is dope. Roach Customs. Roach ended up painting the, the graphic on it. Every year, people get weird shit painted on their helmets and bikes from them. And they, they do... Uh, they do like a drawing at Sturgis. I forget the if it's Big Sexy. I can't remember who the fucking person is that has this on their bike. I got to look it up. But they have this little lottery system where they drop dumb shit into a bucket. And it's what two or three words they pull out. That's what gets painted. So what was like uh, a tank with a dick on it shooting semen or something is on his bike right now. I can't oh remember. Yeah, but it's all hand letter brush painted on the back of his bike. So it's like always, a weird, it's a lottery of weird shit that ends up on his bike. He does it every year now. It's a thing. <clears throat> but yeah, horsepower bike night in Indianapolis. I wish I had more time to spend in Indianapolis. I definitely will make it back up there and spend time in the city. Other than the fact that your bike could get stolen there in a heartbeat, I've heard, you know, Jason. Or you could just bounce them well, to pieces. It's all uh, fucking... Yeah. Shitty roads. Fuck, I tell you what, better New York. I tell you what, I saw max suspension travel in New York more than I saw anywhere else. Fuck really? that place. The roads are terrible. Brooklyn's worse than Manhattan. Did you go through Pittsburgh? No, I don't think I ended up going through Pittsburgh. I did go to Plymouth Rock. That was rad. I ended up in Boston. Went up and saw Dave Perowitz right at the end of the day when he was shutting down. Hung out with him for about an hour and a half. Fucking love Dave, man. Um, that was that was one of the first stops after 9-11 is seeing Dave and then um, got to meet up with a buddy of ours, Hama. He's Boston, you know, so there's no R at the end of that. It's just Hama. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Hama, I met him over at a friend's place that he stays at and helps with because he said something. He's like, I'm up at five with the horses. I was like, okay, so he's got a ranch or some shit. Well, this lady who he stays with, her deceased husband, veteran, he had a trike that they, they would always go ride around on stuff. She now has learned how to ride it. Everything in the whole freaking farm has hand control, so she's had to learn how to use all that stuff because now he's gone. But they have a horse rescue, dude. So you pull up to this house. And it's this beautiful house, big hills. They've got 30 acres. You don't see the horse rescue at all. It's all behind the house down the hill. And there's like a couple of barns, and they got a bunch. They got mini horses. They got freaking really cool full size horses, and they got the crazy one that's in the pen with the mini horses because it doesn't know it's space or some shit. But uh, yeah, that and they've got a garden, and I mean it's just beautiful, dude. Like it's just this really peaceful, neat space. So I, I shot some content with her talking about the horses, walking through the property and whatnot, and she's just a sweetheart, man. And Hama really benefits from being there. Like, he's there to help work on the horse, work with the horses, work with the animals, do all that stuff. Like, that's his mental health. That's really where he needs to be. So that was a super special minute of interaction there. But I tried to hit as many people as I could along the way. Sometimes it just didn't work out. There are so many people that reached out to me. There was a really cool couple that hit me up. And um, where was I? Jeez, I don't remember. Oh, Milwaukee. Uh, Ms. Milwaukee hit me up and she goes, Hey, if you're up here, if you come up here. And at that point I was like, did I tell people I was going to Milwaukee yet? She says, you could stay here. They do Airbnb. Her and her husband, Chris are super fucking cute, man. They're like the couplest couple have you've ever seen. Like after I got done staying with them and then left, like I woke up in the morning and they're sitting outside with their knees together, like on their porch 
you know, staring at each other, having their morning coffee and like super cute outside doing couple shit. And then I find out, I guess it was right before their anniversary. I left and then like two days later, their posts were them renewing their vows. I was like, that's stupid fucking cute. So just a really neat couple. They had this really neat Airbnb set up. They offered me space, but people reached out to me the whole trip. They're like, hey, if you're coming through here, stay with me. Hey, if you're doing this, stay with me. Like, I packed up a hammock and a sleeping bag. I only used the sleeping bag twice. I slept on the bike four times. I ended up with a hotel room that I shared once, and I got two hotel rooms because of just where I was. It just made sense because I had to see somebody in that town the next day. But I didn't use the hammock not even once except for a pillow when I slept in the rain in Tucson. And the sleeping bag... I thought it wasn't going to be warm enough because I'm like, man, this thin motherfucker. But if you're wearing all your clothes and you're in it and you stay still, it's warm as fuck. <laughs> I found a, I can't, I guess it was wherever I was headed, I was hungry, pushing myself, trying to stay up. And I didn't want to eat a whole lot when I was on the road because it just slows you down. I don't like stopping shit either, you know? And. <laughs> I just, it, the magic words, margaritas and tacos were on the sign right next to me when I was making this right-hand turn. It's hard to eat on the road because the only thing to do, eat efficiently, <clears throat> is shitty food. It is. And I'm trying not to eat like shit, too. So I end up seeing that sign. It was 9 o'clock. I looked them up. They were open until 10. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to eat. I had 400 miles to where I was going. And then I kind of looked at the map and I was like, surely there's somewhere to stop and sleep between here and there. So I had like two or three margaritas, this badass huge plate of food, super happy. I leave about 45 minutes later. I'm like 30 minutes down the road, dude. And I'm like, oh man, fucking margaritas really numb, put me to sleep. And there was an abandoned gas station at this right hand turn that I had to make up on the hill. I said, hmm. There you go. I was like, I'm going to go sleep in that motherfucker. And there was gates blocking it off. But I noticed that the first one I rode by was chained. I saw the second entrance. I walked by, I rode by it and it had rope and a bungee cord on it. And I was like, somebody comes into this property. Yeah. And it was because somebody mows and maintains it, you know. And uh, I fucking untied that shit, dude, as fast as I could. Pulled my bike all the way up there. Freaking ran back down to when the cars were done passing and tied it back up. Broke into it. <clears throat> Freaking put the sleeping bag right there on the dirt concrete fucking floor on the inside of this gas station, right by the window. Bike was parked right outside. Pitch black, dude. Just black as black as black gets. But it was crazy because there was this tiny fucking light like across the street in the intersection. It was supposed to be a light pole light, but it had fallen and it was like not even kind of pointing my way. Man, I set my phone up on the tripod on the sidewalk right next to the bike, and there was just enough light that with 30-second exposure, you'd, the whole bike's lit up. You'd swear somebody's shining a fucking light on it. Fucking cameras are insane, dude. Dude, it's crazy, and all the stars are in the background and shit. <clears throat> so one of the things I did on this trip is I did, like, you do your thing where you start at your gas tank, and then you're like, ta-da, mm-hmm. look at all my shit. So my Danger Dan-esque freaking thing is... I do the hands-free Instagram story, and then I come up, and then you see my helmet and my visor, and then I spin it around, and you get to see what I'm seeing. So that's my, da- that's my inspiration for that, is your, nice. your shit, right? And, um, well, there was a 
fuck, I don't know where I was going with that. Doesn't even fucking matter. I forget. One of those things you did. Fuck, doesn't even matter. There yeah, were, I mean, I, th- I do that. You know, I don't know why I started doing that, but I got a bunch of compliments. And people were just like, stoked to see the tank, because then they just want to know, you know. Where you're at. What's next? What's, what's, what's on the other side of that? Yeah, no, I lost my train of thought on that. But, I mean, it's just one of those things where just capturing, capturing that footage, I think it's pretty, pretty neat, pretty interesting, pretty great way to catch it. But Yeah, I can't wait to see what you come out of this. So let's go. Let's do a little recap. For the mileage counters. So, day, and I want to know how many days you did all this into, uh, or just like a total day count. Well, so I left on the 9th. 9th? And then I got back on, uh, I got back yesterday, so the 27th. So that's 18 days? 18 days. days. You went from here to Maine. But the mileage doesn't count until Maine. Oh. Yes, and it's all, so when you go to TT Vets merch page, whether you click on the web link that's on my uh, Instagram page or you go to the TT Vets page and you click on their web link that's on their bio um, or you go to moosecraft.com, you know, with no E, um, there's a link right there. You click on it. We're changing that tonight. I've got to check with Tara to see if it's set up where it says the cities I went to and the total mileage right there on the requirements. Requirements are guess this mileage at the end of your purchase because there's a comment window where you got to put some info in, right? And then you buy a hat and a shirt. So you'll see the shortest possible trip I could have ever made totaled right in front of you. So it's really idiot proof. And then you got to figure how much you, if you followed it all, or you go back and look at my post, you're like, well, he didn't go from point A to point B. Estimate how many miles I've done. Mm-hmm. And that mileage total was basically from Nick's at Forever Two Wheels, Maine, to Niagara, to, to Evil Iron Customs in Columbus, to Indy, to Milwaukee, to Kansas City, Missouri, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Springs, Horseshoe Bend, Zion Park, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, down to Fallbrook, through Phoenix, to Cedar Park, uh, Texas, to Round Rock, and then all the way back to the shop. I got to the shop. I got. I didn't. I got to the shop today because I added the mileage from my house to the shop, which is only like a couple miles. So when I pulled into the shop to this afternoon is when I totaled the mileage because I rode from Round Rock last night. I was seeing it in Rafiq, and then came straight up to the house, pulled in around 2 a.m. and was like, fuck this, I can't even make it to the... Dude, we crossed paths yesterday, last night. Oh, really? Where were you? I was riding up from Houston. Oh, really? Had to have. Man, I... It fucking felt so goddamn good last night. It was. Oh, shit. No, hold on. I was right... Wait, today... What is today? So... No, no, no. I did make it home yesterday, but that was after I did something else. Uh, Sunday yep, night I yep. rode I back. did not make it home straight away. Now I'm remembering. I came, I came up from Round Rock. I made it to Temple and had to sleep because I was so out of it. And then I left Temple and I came into town. I had like five business meetings I had to do yesterday in and around North Texas. Go out and see the TT Vets place in Terrell. Go to my barber shop because they're doing a full remodel. 
called me with another construction client about some jobs they have to do. And then I went and did Jace's podcast last night with Staz. We get done after midnight, and I rode back from wherever the hell he is at and Waxahachie, Waxahachie, uh, all the way home last night. So it was when I got home at the end of the night after all that shit last night is when I was like, I'm not going to the shop because I wanted to go drop the bike off and just freaking pick up my truck and come home. I didn't have it in me to ride another couple of miles to the shop. I was done. I went to bed around 3.30 this morning. And then I didn't wake up until 3.30 this afternoon. I was supposed to try to go to work today. I have a hot rod shop I do some work with. And they were really excited to see me come back at some point. So I did not show up today. And then they messaged me on the way here. Are you, is Mr. Moose uh, gracing us with his presence tomorrow? <laughs> Mr. Moose. I said, yes, yes, I will be there tomorrow. Bell's on. So, yeah, mileage totals will be on the TT Vets merch page. All the locations I went to will be on their page. You click on it, you buy a shirt and a hat. You have opportunity to win up to, you know, any one of the prizes we have giveaway. But everything that's being given away is way more than 55 bucks. Oh, fuck yeah. And you get something out of it, you know. So you're not just sitting there with your hand out waiting for somebody to hand you a motorcycle that you didn't freaking really win because somebody decided to raffle it off and get an extra $15,000 after they sold it for five grand to their buddy. Because that shit happens too. Come on, don't fucking ruin raffles for me. I'm going to ruin them. Don't ruin them. I'm ruining them. Moose, thanks for coming over, dude. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everything you've done. TT Vets. I'm going to check it out. Um, Yeah, I hope somebody... Win some fucking sweet t-shirts that likes t-shirts. Shit. Fucking somebody's... Thanks for wearing mine, dude. I'm glad you got the... You got rec medals on. Yep, yep. Boise, Idaho. Dude, I... I, Went and saw Nick. I packed all my stuff up. I freaking took like four of my MC shop tees with me. Perfect, dude. I ended up wearing your shit and Thunder Max's shirts the whole time, and I didn't wear mine the whole trip. (laughs) God bless you. All right, I know, dude, that was a lot. Dude, I, sh- I cut them short, dude. It wasn't a fucking four-hour podcast this time, right? We got two hours, and that was a lot of writing he did. Like, we, I thought I was pretty impressed that we were able to keep it down to, to two hours. Fuck, he went coast-to-coast twice. Nah, he went coast-to-coast once. Don't let him fool you with that fucking bullshit in between leaving here and going there. He went to one coast, and he went to the other coast. That's coast-to-coast. But he did for a good cause, man. Pretty wicked. Uh, you know, I have not been there to the memorial. I can only imagine how powerful it is being up there. You know, no matter what you believe or how, you know, however you believe it happened, you know, it fucking happened. And I imagine that just being there, it's a pretty powerful spot. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for raising awareness for TT Vets. Check out ttvetsmerch.org for more information on how you can help out. Go to dangerdancetalkshop.com. Check out the fucking Patreon. Get signed up so you got a chance at winning a motor, a tank, a fucking badass sign, or a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. MC Shop Tees, your T-shirt of the month club, the only way to support every local motorcycle shop. You're not going to want to miss next month. I know I say that every month, uh, but I fucking mean it. I really do. I wouldn't want to miss next month, so 
Go fucking sign up, dude. All right. I got to fucking load a bunch of shit up and go to Yellow Rose Canyon. You guys have a wonderful day. (laughs) 